0: up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast.
1: And on today's episode, we are speaking on the topic of political slash conscious hip-hop, or in other words, hip-hop as protest music. You know, obviously we we came about this topic because of all the political unrest that we're seeing right now. And um, the question arose, should we look upon our hip-hop stars to speak on these issues and should they speak on it with, through their music right. so hopefully by the end of this episode we will i don't know kind of address that question yeah. um, but we're going to start basically by going back through through the roots of hip-hop see its trajectory through through the 80s through the 90s 2000s see what artists are doing now and then we're just going to be talking about that hip-hop medium using it to speak on the speak on a lot of these social issues and today we are joined by a very special guest Panama Jackson from Very Smart Brothers welcome back to the show Panama what's going
2: on y'all thanks for having me back I always love being on this podcast <laughs> I listen to every episode oh, I get nice. mad that I'm not on every episode <laughs> uh
0: so I'm always glad I'm always glad to be here with y'all it's always great having you bro you're the third 80s baby Essentially, yeah,
1: but between you and Carlos, but uh, Panama definitely gets shouted out on this episode. I feel like it's, it's like every other Pretty episode. Pretty much every episode,
2: yeah. <laughs> and I always I always appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Usually what happens too is it's not even about something that was said on this podcast. It's usually <laughs> about some conversation that we're having off mic that uh, we remember and that we bring it up because it all of a sudden becomes relevant to something that we're talking about. Facts. So,
0: You also yeah. post a lot of really good um, articles like on on Facebook it's almost like aspirational for me because you you do a really good job of like curating a conversation. So like you'll, you know, you you may take like the the, the better bit out of, uh, you know, an article that you'll post on Very Smart Brothers and, you know, just kind of post that as the status and then it just erupts into a whole separate thread of conversation. So a lot of times that's what we're talking about as well. Yeah, I love it when that happens.
1: (laughs) All right. So I mean, obviously, uh, the best place to start, I would say, would be, you know, the early 80s. I want to say it's 1982. Grandmaster Flash and The Furious Five come out with The Message. Nice. Um, and this is basically highlights Melly Mel, right? hmm And in my opinion, I actually think that this is not only one of the best songs in hip-hop history, but probably the most important. Because I think from, you know, if you look at where hip-hop starts in the 70s, <laughs> um, it's heavily tied with disco, right? right? Um, they, they talk about in the at that in the Netflix show, mm-hmm. but um, I think that the message started to use, I guess, the the poetry of that hip-hop can provide mm-hmm. um, to actually start talk about like what's going on in the neighborhoods. And you have this right. song here that's got a great balance to it. It's a great club record, mm-hmm. but it's also talking about some real shit that they're seeing every single day. And from, from my opinion, and I think what other hip-hop scholars would agree, is that that probably starts the trend of hip-hop at least being able to be more than just a party, hey, you know, let's get up in the in the disco and, and dance and, and break dance and stuff. It's also starting to get to like, hey, let's actually talk about some real shit. Um, and you start to see more artists take that platform and go that direction with their music.
0: For sure, I think you know the social commentary element, you know, kind of was birthed out of this record. Um, there was obviously also a lot going on, you know, just from a local politics perspective in New York. And you know, I feel like. Like you said, hip hop was kind of birthed out of this this disco genre that was like, oh, hey, guys, let's, you know, have fun and party. And this was more along the lines of like, yo, there's abandoned buildings, there's broken glass everywhere. This is what our neighborhood really looks like due to all the things that are going on.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. I, I mean, I obviously it's probably the most important hip hop song. I don't love it. I never have, which is I know probably wow. somewhat blasphemous. Yeah. I've never liked yeah, this record so, that yeah. much, <laughs> though I can appreciate it, so it. <laughs> for exactly what it is and respect how it. You know, it was a sea change moment for hip hop, right. uh, mm-hmm. and it one that hasn't hasn't necessarily ever left. Right, mm-hmm. it created this mm-hmm. spirit of hip hop of that whole ghetto reporter, right. the hood reporter vibe, and it was a wake up call. Mm -hmm. and i think that largely in this discussion about protest music especially as it relates to hip-hop is probably part of why you know people expect artists to be able to talk about what's going on like we have an expectation from a lot of artists and i think it all goes back to the message yeah because it was done so well it was done so timelessly it was done so effectively that if we could do that, then before we before before we changed the way we were rhyming, before we did all these other things, like
0: we should be able to continue that 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 ethos, right? And the platform is so much bigger now, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. we talked. It's a, a platform bit, now, right? Like, it's an actual platform we, now. T- we talked a little bit about you know, and this is this is tangential, but we talked a little bit about, about LeBron, right? And 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 how well LeBron uses his platform. Um, and I made the comment that LeBron doesn't have that platform without Mike. Right. So Michael Jordan right. gets gets crucified for the fact that he's not, you know, vocal and outspoken. But at the same time, you know, that platform for an athlete to have that level of, of, you know, influence comes from a Michael Jordan who's safe enough that he's given all these platforms all the way throughout the years so that you can have a LeBron who says, OK, now I got this platform. I'm still well polished. I'm still a family man. I'm still X, Y and Z. But, yo, there's some fucked up shit going on over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I agree entirely.
1: And I would say that, you know, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five are probably not the only ones, um, you know, responsible for the platform in the sense that obviously, you know, hip hop in terms of the the spoken element has its roots from like, you know, a lot of the, the spoken word. Artist um, coming out in the '70s, but also if you think of an artist like James Brown, who's very influential to hip hop, right. More from the the musical aspect in terms of you know just how many of his records got sampled, but also James Brown was a quite political artist as mm-hmm. well. Even what he was doing. Like just dancey records, mm-hmm. right? Just like oh, let's just go out and have a good time. Like you know, records like you know, say it, I'll, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. But he's got a lot of other good conscious records too. Like um, was it King Heroin? Mm-hmm. I think is another one. I think that's the name of the record. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, this is a guy I think who who always kind of spoke on these black issues, and it's not just it's not just hip hop. But I do think that you know what the message did was made it so that it's like, hey, this is not just going to be a dance music we're going to take this and actually speak on broader topics
0: agreed i was going to say that right this is a time frame where hip-hop is so new that people are thinking this is just a trend right like is this just going to go away it's a flash in the pan and i think that like this record was one of the ones that made hip-hop be something more than just like some silly gimmick that you know might be fly by
1: night so Right. right So yeah, so we also, uh, you know, we're gonna get onto some other stuff from from the '80s here, and um, you know, you've got artists like Public Enemy coming out, um, X Clan. But before that, I would say in the time when I think you you got LL Cool J kind of, you know, topping the charts, and with we run DMC, making hip hop more of a of, of a commercial venture, if you will. NWA then takes that and says, okay, yeah, we've got this gangster shit, but also we're gonna be talking about like. So real hard political topics here. Um, yeah. So there's the whole contrast that we could talk about there.
0: Yeah, my thought is just to talk about the juxtaposition mainly between N.W.A. and Public Enemy because both have iconic albums that came out in '88, right? So 1988, N.W.A. You know, fuck the police, straight out of Compton. You know, this is this is how we're, we're narrating. You know, what's going on, and and this is our social protest music. But then Public Enemy's also giving you social protest music, but there's kind of just a different lens to it, Like right? Like it's more the um, black fist in the air, black power, unite all the black people type of a, a, a tone to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Public Enemy is more black... NWA for the songs that we even think about when it comes to Straight Outta Compton because really there's only three songs anybody thinks about on that album and it's largely Ice Cube that's responsible for that messaging because once Ice Cube leaves there's literally zero message (laughs) Uh, well actually that's not entirely true it's just a very um, it's done in a ridiculous fashion but Like, Fuck the Police is is mm-hmm. forever going right. to be... It's one of those songs that will make N.W.A. live forever. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, it's the, the, the kind of way that Summertime will make DJ Jazzy Jeff and the First Prince live forever. Yeah. Or Dear Mama, you know... Well, Tupac is going to be here forever, but Dear Mama is the yeah. song that you can play every year that you will always have. Right. And... Mm-hmm. Public enemy for me. I mean, the, the album in '88, it takes the nations and millions to hold us back. Like that's a black record. Like that mm-hmm. is. Yes. I did a list a couple of years ago where I was like the blackest albums, and I didn't put that on there, and I got murdered because I didn't put <laughs> "It Takes the Nations of Millions to Hold Us Back." Now the thing uh, is, the right. albums that I only did five albums. I mean, so yeah. oh, and the okay. albums I had on there are like pretty substantially black ass albums. Yeah. But because I didn't have this on there, it was, it was like an, it was like the yeah. omission.
0: Um, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that little skit that keeps getting memed into infinitum—the I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all—and is literally either Public Enemy or X Clan or somewhere between the two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, it's <laughs> Public Enemy
2: was one of those groups where I think I was too young to fully understand it. Like, I yeah. so '88, I'm nine years old. You know, mm-hmm. I'm yep. I'm getting into I'm music, but I'm not into hip hop that way. My oldest sister is. 14 at the time. So she's she's my introduction into all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't there's no message that I can truly get out of it. But later on now right. oddly enough NWA was something I could <laughs> I don't know why it was something I could understand. <laughs> and um, cuz I vividly remember hearing NWA hearing my sister with the NWA tape <laughs> back then because but you know they used language that I thought was like oh she, this yeah,
0: fine. right. You know right. that kind of stuff
2: so but over time the way that Public Enemy truly Like, I don't think they're ever going to get the flowers they deserve because of how much, like, you know, Chuck D was already older when, at this point, like, Flavor Flav has has done so many things that overshadow what their specter is. Hmm. And I just don't, I don't know they'll ever get the flowers they deserve for what they actually did for the idea of protest music and utilizing the Mm -hmm. platform to... Truly speak on that—that that what's happening in the community stuff. Yeah. Whereas we give a lot of credit to N.W.A. for doing just that because mm-hmm. of one song. Yeah. Like, you know, even ga- I mean, Gangsta Gangsta. Inexpr- so what? Express Yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Straight out of Compton. Gangsta Gangsta. Fuck the police for like one, two, and three on the Straight Out of Compton I album. Mean, Express Yourself is on there. Right. And those songs seem seem to be more political than I think they kind of are. They're just more pissed.
0: <laughs> Facts. Yeah.
2: But Facts. you know, I think. I think N.W.A. gets a lot of credit for what Public Enemy was actually actively doing with yeah. their albums um, just by virtue of the fact that N.W.A. was more of a... Ice Cube was a force. Yeah. Like, he's the charismatic version of Chuck D, you know what I'm saying? But mm. the angrier version, like the scary... He's a scary version of Chuck D.
1: <laughs> and he's a better lyricist as well.
2: Well, well, mm. indeed. I mean, indeed. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. But, and,
1: and if we're going to talk about Ice Cube, it's like, okay, fine. Maybe N.W.A as the entity doesn't deserve as much credit as maybe you know Ice Cube, but look at what Ice Cube does with his next three projects, right? Oh,
2: hell yeah. One Mm -hmm. of the greatest trilogies of all time. I don't care what nobody says. America's Most Wanted Death Certificate, Um, The Predator. I mean, he literally set the stage for the riots and that shit still (laughs) applies today. Like you can play Tear This Motherfucker Up right now and it still is applicable. Like almost all of that music has a very relevant like standing in where we are today, in the in the way that we view uh, police relations, in the way that we view white black relations, um, it's actually fascinating. I mean, he you know Ice Cube is one who does get his flowers, but I don't think he gets the right yes. flowers. You know
0: what I mean? But <laughs> it's I mean you know, he's, he's I, about I, to get them yeah. all over again with his his newfound resurgence on, on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah, he's pissing people off though. Yeah. I mean, so apparently he's pissing a lot of people off. But uh, <laughs> which people is he pissing off? A lot of people. Uh, So I mean, okay. So he's he's. (laughs) I knew it was gonna get there, but he, you know, he had a lot of different, uh, you know, tweets uh, that were that were having to do with like basically, this is the bullshit that's been going on for years. You know, we've been telling y'all about the police. We've been telling y'all about X, Y, and Z. But people were saying, how long do y'all think it's gonna be before he tweets something that's perceived as anti-Semitic? And of course, it's happened already. So. Right. uh, He tweeted something that was like, uh, it was like a Star of David, but then it had like some pic, I don't know, did you, do you, you, can you describe what it, what it was?
2: I can't actually, because if I'm being completely honest, I don't even know that I recognize those things as being anti-Semitic.
0: Yeah, it was like- Like there were
2: things I wasn't familiar enough that I could not even tell just off immediate recognition. Like it took- Mark Lamont Hill and people explaining why those things were what they are, yeah. for me to be like, oh, shit, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was like a Star of David, but then like three dimensional. And then the, the there was a square in the middle of the Star of David that was like, I don't know, the police and stuff like that. And he was just, I don't know, making some sort of a deeper point, uh, maybe that these industries are owned by, by Jewish people. I don't know. I don't know if it was supposed to be an Illuminati symbol. I personally didn't get it either. But he pissed a lot of people off. And it was like, it was like you, you knew it was coming. Cause right, cause first, you know, he starts tweeting and then people are like, did Ice cube get hacked? And then he comes on and he's like, fuck y'all, <laughs> nah, I ain't get hacked. This is me. And I was like, uh-oh, he's about to say some shit that's gonna piss somebody off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ice Cube has never been one to, you know, shy away from expressing himself. And you talk about him getting his flowers. I mean mm. it's not just because of the music, it's also because of in my opinion i think he was a great interview um in terms of just with his directness um and the fact that he could you know he was researched at least well researched enough on his issues to support his opinions when he wanted to express them and then, of course you also have the fact that he became maybe not a movie star but a movie star enough a recognizable face enough that's what i'm saying he could get into to to white people's homes when it's like, oh, OK, like, sure, you've got this, this music piece here. And oh, I could just put that to the side. But it's like, oh, here's a friendly guy. And, whatever and that's, and that's why I think we're in. saying,
0: right, that he's not getting his flowers because, you know, and that's yeah. why people thought, like, is this really him tweeting? Because the current era thinks Ice Cube is ride along. Right, like, like yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, this, oh, you mean the guy that makes the wholesome family movies? It's like, nah, right. dog, like, <laughs> that's completely like, this is like two or three rebrands later of of Ice Cube, and that's kind of where his current legacy falls. And I mean, when it, you know, when it comes to what he's done in industry, I think. What he's done in film is also very, very important, and probably 10 mm. to, to 20 orders of magnitude more lucrative. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of folks don't know or, you know, aren't familiar with all of this 80s, 90s
1: era, you know, angsty
0: cube that we're familiar with that he came from.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure we'll touch more on the uh, the '90s stuff, but before we get out of the '80s, I mean, we still have a, a huge artist to talk about, uh, yeah. you know, KRS-One and what he was bringing to the table, um, particularly after his his debut album, yep, um, or the debut album from from BDP. Uh-huh. But um, you know, you, you've got all of the stuff with the, the Stop the Violence movement, um, self destruction, which was the number one single, right? And um, I think that's an important one to talk about because, yep that was actually a response i think to his his partner um one right. of his uh one of his bandmates if you will Scott rock his right. dj getting killed um, exactly. at a concert at a show and you know it's just it's so <laughs> you hear all the time it's like oh well you know if you're gonna talk about a, a cop killing a black man why aren't you gonna talk about black on bi- black on black violence first and it's mm-hmm. just like all right first of all it's not a thing second of all <laughs> They've been talking about these topics for years. Mm. It's just that white audiences just don't care about that shit. Right. You know, um, but I think that Keras one is one of the people who made it, made it cool. Um, Public Enemy did it too, but like, I think that there's a lot of artists who kind of Took what KRS was doing and like use that as like the basis for their music more so than what Public Enemy was doing. Maybe yeah. it's just my biased opinion because I'm a bigger fan of KRS One than I am of Chuck D. Yeah,
2: I respect the hell out of KRS One. I think we had this conversation yeah. before about about like my <laughs> KRS One opinions, but you know, self destruction was I when do, when did that come out? When did self destruction come out? Eighty
1: eight or eighty nine.
2: That has to be the very reason why we're all in the same game comes out in like 1990. You know what right, I mean like right. the you know trying to bring together these artists to 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 stamp out stuff going on in our own neighborhoods. You know kind right. of that black nationalist we got to take care of ourselves cuz we can't we can't yeah. depend on anybody else to do it. And I think I you. you know KRS Care look for all for all of his you know faults to a degree in his preachiness <laughs> one mm. thing that man was good at was getting to the heart of an issue yeah from yeah. you know black cop um the i mean i have that conversation with my wife now about like the black police officers and that tension but he has a whole mm. song dedicated yeah. to that yeah you know yes. like he he was very good at at distilling specific issues to our community in a way that you know and the beats knocked I mean, you always he had the right. best producer so yeah. he had right. good music and was able to, to 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 get his message out there well so i mm-hmm. When it comes to that kind of music and those kind of discussions, like KRS-One is always somebody that comes to the forefront of my mind. As you need to hear a rec- you want to hear a record about what was happening to the black community in the yeah. '80s and '90s, yeah, KRS-One is your guy. You know, he's, he's very direct, the guy.
0: And I think uh, one of the differences, right, when you talk about like the Public Enemies and the X-Clans, and then you you juxtapose that with with you know what what KRS was doing was he was a street oriented artist you know so like he's holding guns on 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 the covers of his (laughs) albums you know what i'm saying like and he's speaking very directly about what's happening in the street and i think you know i think the way i think public enemies kind of spoke a little bit more from a you know these are the things that are happening in our community in general whereas i think krs almost spoke more in a from
1: a first person perspective um in my opinion than than a lot of public enemy records and you talk about the music and his ability to make good music or music that knocked if you will and one of the biggest things that i think helps him in this regard or one of the biggest songs that stays with him obviously is sound of the police you know Mm -hmm. that's a record that depending on the dj like you could you could put that song on now not the whole thing but you could you know put that hook on and people will will bounce to it Mm because it can still go whereas like Fight the power, if you put that on, people are like, all right, cool, but like no one's like still gonna bump to it. You know what I mean? So I, I feel what you're saying. I disagree. Versus, I you disagree?
2: Just, dude, the problem with Fight the Power, honestly, is it's too big. It's too big of a record. It's kind of like it's it's such a it's such a like Fight the Power is one of those records that is so emblematic with the whole movement. Like you play it anywhere, like it's it's not a club record to begin with. But you can play it, and I think people would move. But I also think people don't want to hear it anymore because it's mm. such a huge record. I, this is a weird. This is a weird line of thinking. Just follow me here. It's the same reason why I think people got tired of Ti's "What You Know."
1: <laughs> "Sound of the Police" is a club record, though, is it not? Yeah.
2: Whoop, whoop. yeah well, think, it's, it's got that knock. Yeah. I don't so know if it's a I club think, record, uh, but it knocks.
0: I think "Fight the Power" yeah. sounds more dated than than um than yes. "Sound of the Police" does.
2: That's probably Perhaps
0: true. Yeah. That's,
2: pro- that's probably true. That's probably true. I can see that.
1: Yeah. You know, another song, before we leave the 80s here, um, mm-hmm. there's another song I want to I bring up. And it's from a different genre of music, but I think it's very important to talk about. And that is The Word from Junkyard Band. And this song came out, I want to say they wrote the song in like 1985. Now, if you're familiar with Junkyard Band, I know mm-hmm. these two folks are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Loose Booty is probably one of like their, their biggest records. But mm-hmm. in the 80s, you know, they made this song called The Word, followed up by Sardines, which is a lot more popular than record. Yeah. Um, and that's talking about some political um, issues as well. But, like, The Word, I mean, they're straight breaking down Reganomics in a very, like, catchy way mm. that I think a lot of folks would just, like, listen to the record. And it's got such a good, like, groove on it or such a good balance that you're not even paying attention. But like, those are very poignant lyrics talking very simply about like, what did Reaganomics do? It's like all of these social programs that, you know, black folks were relying on and, you know you can have your you can have your opinions on that one way or the another whether or not black folks should have been relying on it but either way you know i think that reagan was someone who is celebrated in conservative circles for booning the middle class it was like yeah of course he did at the <laughs> at the expense of a bunch of black people that no one else cared about like the the um, mainstream america cnn is not going to really talk about these folks right unless it's like oh you know sprinkle some crack on them and get the fuck out of here right <laughs> but um but I, I think that the word is a record the word is a record that i think deserves a, a place in this conversation just because it is mm. so it's like a i don't know it's just like a very like good song like take the lyrics out of it and it's still like a good record but just the lyrics are very very you know direct speaking to the issues um of exactly what reagan did to you know a lot of these um a lot of these uh, black communities so i just wanted to highlight that real quick before we move on from the 80s, because I think we're probably going to transition to the 90s a little bit here.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I am not. wasn't familiar with this record. And I wonder if folks that are from outside of DC are familiar or were familiar with the record.
1: So I, look, this was a Def Jam project. You know, um, they had they had the word and sardines on Def Jam. And Sardines, I think, is a record that a lot of people know. That's the one sardines, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, and pork and beans. I mean, they're singing that in um. In, uh, Act too. Yeah, just like <laughs> everyone knows sardines, but the word is probably a lesser-known record. But either way, because yeah. of that, I still wanna highlight that. Look, I'm, I'm from this area, this D, this D.C. area. Yeah, for, sure, for sure, I, I love Junkyard Band, so I just got to give props to them. So no, I anyway. just
0: I, you know I think it's interesting just from the perspective of of you know the idea of protest music, right? Um, the, the thing that's so powerful about it, right, is that it's it's music at the end of the day, right? So you're able right. to take a message that you're trying to to relay and make it something that's so entertaining that you know it gets stuck in people's heads and they 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 pass the message on to other people because they enjoy it right it's 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 a form of right. entertainment so it's just interesting from the perspective of gogo being something that is is so heavily regional um, right. you know that to to create something that's like a message in that way you know i wonder if if you you limit you, it limits the exposure of the message based on the vessel Probably. of the message, at least in in in, in, in eighty no five or whatever, because you know now, yeah. you know Rich Harrison and, and a bunch of other cats have basically taken that sound
1: and make it made it a little bit more palatable for for the rest of the world. Right, should yeah. we uh, I guess transition on to the nineties? We, we touched on yeah, this a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, I, I know that one artist who is uh, started to get introduced to the scene in the late eight late eighties, but definitely makes waves. When the '90s starts, and that is a uh, Tupac, yeah, right. Um, you know, you've got Brenda's got a baby, which is his first big single. If I, am, I, am I not mistaken?
2: Yeah, I think that's right. That sounds right. As a solo artist, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. As, a solo As a
1: solo artist, artist yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, that's it's a really big record, especially when you, I don't know, if you believe what how they depict it in the movie. That's one <laughs> that got a lot of pushback from the label, uh, right? Yeah. Um, because it's a it's a it's a deep and dark and tragic subject matter, but he's like, no, this is something that we have to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of paves the way for the rest of his career in terms of like, all right, he's going to talk about the thug life shit, mm-hmm. um, the hardcore, you know, uh, bitches and whatever shit. Mm-hmm. But he's also got these real topics that he can, you know, bring out anytime he wants to. Um, and I think yeah. this is a really big one.
0: Yeah. I think that's the record that really highlights what makes Pac so special. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. remember who this interview was that I read, but I read an interview by um, I think it might have been an actor from from that time frame who was um on the set when of you know some of these early movies that Pac was 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 working on. And he was talking yep. about um the story from Brenda's Got a Baby and how like they were filming and some news story came up about this woman yeah, who, who put yeah, her yeah. her baby in the trash can and and he was he was like really taken by it and then you know he was talking about the next time he saw pock after they f- finished filming or whatever this record about the baby in the trash can became the you know one of the biggest records on, on radio um so you know it's just crazy how folks that have that level of talent you know can see something like that and just fixate on it enough to create something that you know is art from you know this terrible thing that's happened in life
2: yeah i mean that's one of those things that is why Tupac is impressive as an artist, and why I think so many people probably put him in their greatest yeah. artist of all time. Um, I think, and I, you know, it's some people debate if he's one, of, if he's like a goat because I know lyrically people question whether he was like the best, te- like rapper. Right. But in terms of impact and what he was able to do, like you, as much trash as you want to talk about Pac and the things he did, you can always fall back to songs like this. Like he had, yeah. he had a heart. Yeah. He cared. He did yeah. use his platform. To amplify issues that he thought mattered. Yep. I mean, he was the artist who shot a cop. You know what mm, I'm saying? Because yeah. <laughs> you know, like he was he's the he's the guy who was willing to die on the sword that he created himself. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. was that artist. Yeah. And he never shied away from this type of music on any of his albums, even though, even the even from All Eyes on Me to yeah. you know the Don Calluminati, like all of his albums, Me Against the World is a very political album. Mm-hmm. And it has a yeah, lot of songs yeah. that are very specifically yep. about instances of struggle in the black community. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that because he was so I mean, we we forget that Tupac was like 25 when he died, you know, right, like, so right. Brenda's got 20, a baby comes out. When he's 20.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. He, um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Was he, he was Not, born in 71. He died in 96. So he was 25. He had just turned yeah. 25. Oh, OK, OK. You okay. Know, was, so uh, he, 26 um, for
0: Biggie. I thought yeah, it was because for
2: Biggie. no, it was it was okay. younger for Biggie because Biggie was born um, in like '24. That's right. It was '24 like and '25. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah right. it, like in Tupac's birthday so in a couple days young. now, God, I think. Is, I think June 16th. Uh, so you know, he he was so young, he was 20 when, or maybe 19 when Brenda's got a baby even comes out. Right. But to yeah. have that level of empathy and that level of willingness to address that stuff because it mat that's yeah. it genuinely mattered to him. Yeah, you know, that's, that's what a, you want in protest music. That's what you want in right. somebody who has a voice. I like get they have to genuinely care, and Tupac cares even if nobody else cares. Yo, right? You know, and like yeah, that's I think that's, that's and, such a he made
0: us care. I think that's such a great point though that that Panama makes right because something to you know something to also highlight right is that I think in the late eighties early nineties artists also started to realize that they could cause controversy by creating things that, you know, talking about things that were really visceral or really street or, you know, yeah. whatever. And so a lot of the, you know, even the, this NWA music and stuff, right. It's like, how can we piss people off? But a song like Brenda's yeah. got a baby doesn't come from that, from that part of your heart, right? Like it's not, I'm no. not creating this so that you're like, oh, wow, she threw a baby in the trash can. Now I have to buy it. It's like, Right. Yo, listen to this, like I'm gonna make a song, but I really want you to understand this message of this thing that's going on. Not because it benefits me financially, but because I'm really trying to tell you about what, you know, this story. And um, and I think that's something that we really start to see like in the late 80s and early 90s with this kind of protest music, right? Is, is the, mm-hmm. the two different directions um, that, that people take. Scarface is another great example, right? Um, yes. You know, Scarface yes. is part of the Ghetto Boys. Some of Ghetto Boys yeah. music, you can't even listen to it now with like I mean they talk about rape, they talk yeah. about you know a lot of stuff that you just you can't even <laughs> yeah, really do right and and that shit is is shock value shit, but then yeah. you know some of the the mental health stuff that that they talk about and some of the street reporting stuff is really just from mm. a real place of narrating yo this is what's going on in the ghetto, so uh, I think this is the era where you ah. start to get this like protest music for the sake of of commerce versus protest music for the sake of social
1: commentary, you know what I mean uh. Ah. Just real quick. I love it when Scarface is like angry at the government <laughs> and he makes like his protest music. He, he gets very direct and to the point. Yeah. But, um, you know, Tupac, look, I'm one of the people who have said that in terms of just MC talent, I think I have him in like, he might be in my top 15. He's probably mm. in my top 15, but he's like around 15 to 25, I think. Mm. But in terms of like just hip hop artist, I mean, I do agree with you, Yinka, that he is the goat. He is on my Mount Rushmore, despite the fact that I think a lot more people—not a lot, but more than a handful of people—are more talented lyrically and just flow-wise than he is. Yeah. But um, you know, one of those artists who comes up, kind of, you know, early '90s, um, who you know, I'll, more than more than a few artists, um, they 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 come around the same time where kind of like the ghetto reporters. Mm-hmm. So you've got your artists like Nas, you've got your mm-hmm. artists like Mob Deep, Biggie, Wu-Tang Clan, right. who they're not necessarily making political music, but they're right. definitely making conscious, reflective hip hop. Yep. Um, and I think that to contrast that with, with, with Tupac, who definitely has those records as well, mm-hmm. they're not like necessarily, you know, I, I think that what Tupac did was Tupac make re- records that like everybody could kind of understand um even if you weren't from that area whereas i think that a lot of the other folks they can they can kind of like paint this landscape of the ghetto that it sounds tragic like you recognize that it it's tragic mm. but it's still like you're so far removed from that like yeah. brenda's got a baby is something that like everyone can understand wow agreed. you know this p- woman throws her, her baby away like right i can understand that you know yeah. whereas there's the struggle to wake up in the morning and worry about the shit that like that that you know the the paranoia that that mob deep has to suffer or like yeah. the struggles that biggie is talking about or even like all this shit that like you know inspector deck is talking about online on Cash Rules everything around me like mm-hmm. i think that's a little bit more difficult for the outside listener to really understand yeah i think Pac um and and i, I kind of
0: bundle ice cube in this you know once ice cube became a solo artist and went out to new york to work on his music right they started to create music that was social commentary but from you know what I'll call like an any town USA type of social commentary, right? Where it was like yeah. when you listen to like a lot of Mob Deep and like a lot of Nas records, they talk about Giuliani by name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They they mention their projects. They talk about stuff that is very it very it feels very regional. Right. Like, it's like Mm -hmm. these are the problems that are happening specific to my neighborhood um, and the way my neighborhood is laid out. And I feel like Pac kind of narrated stories in a way that it could have been in your town, regardless of what town you're in. Right. Yeah, I think part of that is because Pac was (laughs) from everywhere. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean?
2: Like he's from New York, (laughs) but then he's in Baltimore. That's true. Then he's in California, but he's not like directly in Oakland at first. He's in Marin City. Yeah, You know, he's in he's pissed off everywhere he goes, right? So he, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like yeah. he sees, and I think this is kind of why, um, probably why Cube also has this same type of um Mm. Kind of movement towards a national national discussion because he mm. goes to
0: New York to New York, right? He
2: sees New York differently, you know yep. what I mean. And, yeah. and by the yeah, time yeah, Ice Cube yeah. gets there, he's they've also been touring, right? So mm. by the time Mob Deep and them drop albums, they haven't been touring anywhere. They're just they're just mm. cats from mm. Queensbridge, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Cube yeah. has already been around the nation at the point where America's Most Wanted comes out. So he's seen that, you mm. know, um, who was it? Uh, DJ Quick. Just, just like, like Compton. Compton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a whole song about how everywhere is just the same. Like all the right. same problems we have here that I think right. are happening here are happening in San Antonio, are happening in Denver. Right. They're happening, you know, they're in Oakland. They're happening in all these places. Yeah. And I think that's where Pop comes from in his in his his lyrics because he's somebody who has experienced struggle. He's watched police brutality. He's he's had pain. Mm-hmm. He's had, you know, the 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 drug issues um, mm-hmm. familial and just you know externally yeah and he comes from a panther background so he's mm-hmm. literally a, a like a, a crock pot of the nation's issues yeah and I think that makes it so that it's me against the world it's not just you know, LA. stuff. I feel like he, mm-hmm. he went hyper LA by the time he gets out, you know, he gets out of yeah. jail. That was, right, that was right. for sugar enough. Yeah. So, but, so
0: this is a good time to kind of, to pivot this way. So what do y'all think about, cause this is that, you know, the era where this really becomes popular, gangster rap as, as protest music.
1: I think it's a tricky subject because on, on one hand, you can clearly see that it is protest music or it's definitely conscious music. Um, there is that social commentary they are talking about you know an environment which you know uh, you could argue that the government created that environment for them you could argue that police help perpetuate that environment that they have you know the powers that be have no incentive to help improve an environment that they you know help create Mm -hmm. um and so from that perspective yeah it could definitely be uh, protest music i do think though that the flip side of that argument is a legitimate one as well when you have folks who are celebrating issues just for own personal gain um i mean i'm i'm of the opinion that when you know he's one of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time easily the most successful one you know jay-z and his early music i don't think he gave a damn about the the political commentary yet on some records he he touches on these things but i think for the most part I think he was celebrating something for his personal, personal gain, personal benefit. That's just what that's just what I took from it. Whereas, let's say let's let's flip that with with Biggie. And yes, Puff comes in and Puff makes Biggie somehow gives Biggie sex appeal. Right, <laughs> the most unsexy man ever makes him gives him sex He's appeal. He's responsible for heavy that, D. Right? So you knew he could do it. Right, right, right. But uh, it's true. But um, you know, you look at. And we talked about this before on the Ready to Die episode, but you look at what like Biggie's mind frame when he's recording the first half of Ready to Die. So record's like literally like Ready to Die. And Biggie's like, look, this is what I feel. Mm -hmm. This is what is going on in my life. I'm fucking stressed. I have to get this shit out. This is what I know. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily about celebrating something for, for a personal gain. It's like, yeah. He did want to be a hardcore artist, and he was probably one of the most hardcore artists you'll ever hear on the mic. Mm. Um, You know, it's definitely in that conversation. But uh, I I don't know. I, I think that there is definitely a case to be made that there are aspects of gangster rap where they're just doing it for, I don't know, just to get juice, just to get. Just to, just for the appeal of it, and I think that there's there's other arguments to be can that can be made that like no gangster rap definitely does have a place in the political protest spectrum.
0: So to play devil's advocate though, right? Um, and first of all, I'm I'm not okay with using Biggie as the example because I don't consider Biggie gangster <laughs> rap, but that's fine if we if we use that example, right? Okay. Ready to die.
1: Well, he's do we, he's definitely hardcore, but okay, right?
0: But do we do we even know Biggie? If if not for for Juicy and for uh, Big Papa and for all of these other records that you're talking about that were clearly made no. for for commercial no. you know consumption we right don't. so we you don't. know with the, the whole idea of you know putting the, the the sugar in the medicine right like if if you know gangster rap is um, you know protest music and we've we've talked about you know the the how protest music is beneficial right because it gets the it gets the message out there with something that's an enjoyable piece of entertainment then they still have to do something to get the message out there right so you know to play devil's advocate you know is it okay for them to get the message out there by you know making shit that's more controversial or or celebratory of of fucked up shit right to to push the message out there for for more ears
2: so I gotta jump in here and ask a very important question that we haven't actually <laughs> mentioned once. Right. What is protest music? Because it's mm-hmm. a good question. That kind of determines it. So I, I've been chewing that thought for a while because right. in some yeah. ways I think a lot of hip-hop, by virtue of its existence, is protest
0: right. music. Right. Right. Yeah. Like
2: hip-hop as the the way that it happens, the mm-hmm. do-it-yourself ethos, the the put two things that don't go together together right. and right. make a way out. Yeah. Is a form of protest. Like that's it's, true. you we're doing more with less, and you can't even stop this. This is how much we. This is this right. is this is what we're able to. Now I don't think that's right. this. I don't think, and we'll get to that when we get to like the the 2000s. I don't think that's the case now, mm-hmm. because hip hop is just the language of music at right, this point, right, right. largely. But back then, I almost think even even in the most ignorant of cases. So if we're gonna take mm-hmm. you know, N.W.A.'s Niggas for Life, mm-hmm. one of the most beautifully produced mu- albums ever. Mm-hmm with the worst content almost ever <laughs> on record. You know what I mean? Like as a full body of work, it's right. one of the most ignorant pieces of music facts, ever. Facts, facts. But in some of that music, there are actual political mess. There's political mess. Dude, they have whole things about not drinking and driving. There are skits about not drinking and driving. Now it's done mm-hmm. ignorantly, but it's done. So, you know, it's, yeah. I always wonder what we mean by protest music because mm-hmm. even, you know, you were talking about Biggie. Like right. is that pro is is any of without it, without black music just being without yeah. hip hop especially being protest music, is yeah. any of Biggie's music really about the struggle so much about as his struggle mm. and his life and his Brooklyn streets and the blocks that he comes up on and what he's right. thinking. Right. I mean, if anything, I almost think Biggie and to more of an extent Mob Deep, that's more mental health discussions than it (laughs) is um no that that's more of the the, the ptsd of growing a black in america and which is a form of protest though we're we're creating music to illustrate this so i guess that's for me that's the question that looms over all this
1: that's real i would argue very specifically that biggie is not protest music Uh, if we're Hmm. if we're using you know your kind of definition i would say that he does have conscious records but i don't think it would be like a protest song like say fuck the police or um, sound of the police yeah rather like I, no he does not or fight the power like he does not have those types of records absolutely not but i feel
0: like for from from the more existential you know way of looking at it which it it sounds like is is kind of where panama's coming from like black existence in some way is, is, is protest. Right. So like even just being a black person that can create music to some degree is protest. Right. Like, especially at that time, they shut down all the all the music programs in all the schools, right? We didn't have access to to, to instruments, etc. People figured out how to use samplers and create, you know, create beats that they used as the as the landscapes to make the music. So mm-hmm. even by virtue, hip hop is just protest music from the perspective of us not even having access to create music at the time. So I mean, I, I feel you, and I, and I agree from that perspective. But I think maybe you know we should kind of try to. Try to define the 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 bit of intentional protest music that we're talking about, right.
2: Here. That's which is ultimately my question, like what are we talking about specifically because yeah. biggie i would I would almost never in any instance put biggie in a protest music category. <laughs> whereas I would Pac. right like Pac literally mm-hmm. has you could put a a pop greatest protest hits together. Like Changes would be at the top of that list, right? Right. You know, songs like Changes or Brenda's got a White Man's World on, like on each one of his albums. Mm -hmm. You know, the Strictly For My Niggas album, like he has whole songs about the black experience and and how we are doing within it and making it up out of it. Like that black nationalist, Black Panther, you know, mentality that he had was very much about using my platform to speak truth to power. Right. Now, did that mm-hmm. message get lost in places? Of course, but mm. Tupac always found his way back in some you know, he always managed <laughs> to find a way back and bring people Dude, the people that were Except in Except Machiavelli
0: um, if you ask if you ask Outlaw. He's over here waiting to make uh, that point.
2: Well, no, I mean no, I'm, I'm I mean white man's world is on Machiavelli though. You know what I'm That's saying? True. And hell, the the rest of the outlaws all had names of people like you know, Gaddafi and you right. know like there's there's a there's an educated there's that that educated thug mentality to the music that was being made, which was largely to over you know edu- you know over academicize it or whatever. Like it was a it was upliftment music, even if it just goes about it in the most destructive way possible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sorry. just so just so you know, I, Biggie was initially brought up just because in terms of like the, the struggle rap, right. like, in contrast to what Tupac was able right, to do. Right, right. Um, but you know, I'm also curious if. Mm. Tupac's stardom, similar to Ice Cube's stardom, kind of helped in a way that I think that perhaps those two artists, Tupac and Ice Cube, were highlighted or it had a, the spotlight was on them in a, in a little bit differently than Biggie. Maybe yeah. I don't know.
0: Maybe I think Puff did as good of a job that you possibly could have done to put the spotlight on Biggie. Like I, you know, I don't yeah. think you, you could have put Biggie in a movie and it would it probably would have been the same amount of of you know light on him yeah i feel like pac had the type of of personality and talent yeah that i mean that that razor spotlight that was on him was gonna be on him regardless of whether you know the hughes brothers or whoever put him in a movie or not like that that was just him it's more it's more when not if with tupac where it is i think
1: a. uh yeah. yeah, but I am curious though. So when you talk about gangster music, right? Do mm-hmm. you want to go back and revisit that topic sure. in terms of is gangster music protest? So you're saying Biggie isn't gangster music. So who from the East Coast would be gangster music? Is that Mob Deep, Cool so- G Rap? <laughs> cool G Rap for sure. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I think like
0: Schoolie D. You know, um, uh, you know the, the, that PSK. Stuff, you know, like he was like literally calling out his gang in his, his main record. Okay. So, I mean, there, there's East Coast cats that I think are, fall in the gangster rap, uh, you know, conversation. Absolutely. For
1: sure. Okay. Because I, I think I would argue that there are many of an outsider who, if they're thinking about hip hop from the protest perspective mm-hmm. or from the gangster music perspective, would absolutely put Biggie in a gangster music category, but it's whatever. That's cool. So, you know, after we have the unfortunate untimely deaths of uh tupac and biggie um do do you think any music around that time surrounding their their deaths was at all uh protest or political in nature or no because i do think that there's definitely a void in hip-hop when when you know we lose both of those artists and of course we've addressed that ad nauseum on this podcast but um you know there's a very clear protest-oriented music in the late 90s that we're going to get to, but I'm just curious Mm. about this period between 96 and, like, 98, Mm. if there's any protest music or political hip-hop music that we could highlight.
2: Yeah, I'd probably put, like, think, I mean, I think of, like, Outkast, for instance, on uh, Uh um, I was thinking about them. Like, Uh songs like, you know... Yeah,
1: I was definitely thinking about Aquamanai, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: like, they, they, the music on that album touched on a lot of things that be considered, like, even, even... uh. Gangster shit, like like you know, like those songs yeah. are mm-hmm. about perception and how mm-hmm. America, how America views, and how we as a community mm-hmm. view the individuals participating yeah. in in the art form and stuff like that. You know the the right. the infamous line, you know, uh, damn, I can't even believe I'm forgetting what songs. Like. You know, is every nigga with gold? Is every is every nigga with gold for the falls? <laughs> every nigga dreads for the yeah. cause? Nah, so no good cause in uh, appearance. It's on equipment. It's yeah. our cast, Aquimini, yeah. the black experience. You know, like, but, those discussions are ones that we need to have internally mm-hmm. for how, you know, and I think that that is also the way America is looking at mm-hmm. blackness, too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. I think even prior to
0: Aquimini, more overtly, you know, Goody Mob, right? Like, that whole Soul yep. Food album Ooh, is overtly political, right? Um, yes, absolutely. And, and they didn't necessarily get the same platform that OutKast did, but I think a lot of what we got after Soul Food was in some way a little bit influenced by the fact that Goody Mob was giving us that, that reel like that, you know? And,
2: you know, so so Soul Food comes out before, I think that Soul Food is like 95, I think when Soul Food drops, yeah. either 95 or early 96. Right. Still Standing comes out. I know, I know Still Standing yep. came out when I was in, I think my sophomore year in college. Uh-huh. And... That you know, look, Goody Mob is—they're political rappers. Yes. They are 100 yes. percent, like they're the dude, they're the hood dudes who are mad but paid attention. Like you can't make, <laughs> right. um, you know, uh, thought process. You can't make cell therapy, especially right, without being mm-hmm. aware of what's going on and yeah. seeing how and seeing how the world is kind of rigged against you. Like these are the guys reading, "Behold the Pale Horse." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And then talking about it while drinking 40s. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, you know, that's, that's them. Yeah. And I don't, I always, I always feel like, like Goody Mob never really gets, mm. gets lumped into those cats because they were very Ever. regional. Like yeah, they were very yeah. regional in Atlanta and in the South specifically, uh-huh. um, until Still Standing comes out. Yeah. Um. But you know they're they're that they're that group.
0: I think one of them it might have been Cujo. Um, I saw an interview with who who basically said that they were the political arm of Outkast and absolutely.
2: I, I firmly yeah. believe that.
0: So I, I would um, say them for sure. And then I was gonna also say, um, the beginnings of the the Ruckus movement start in the in the late nineties, well, right? So before
1: before that before we talk about Ruckus, yeah. I think another important group to highlight. Roots, Illidelph, Uh, Half-Life, I think maybe perhaps not necessarily a protest music, Mm. but definitely, you know, a lot of the social commentary. And I think that that kind of sound helps pave the way for the ruckus movement, helps pave the way for an artist like Common. Um, who isn't on Ruckus, but he kind of gets lumped into that category. Mm-hmm. You know, comments, to live quality, most def, obviously, Dead Prez mm-hmm. coming a little bit later. Right. But I think that, you know, the roots kind of did that for, for the East Coast a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, especially after the Do You Want More album, but definitely mm-hmm. the Ill Half Life, you know, before things fall apart, which. Real quick on Things Fall Apart, that is a, an, an astonishingly apolitical album. <laughs> it's 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 got an incredible name. It's got incredible album artwork. But what they're talking about on the album right. is pretty a much lot album, sure. a lot of rapping about
0: rapping on that album for sure. A lot of
1: rapping about rapping on that album. I talked about that at nauseum on this podcast. Go yeah. back and listen to it for yourself. If you think that Things Fall Apart is a political record, from the music you are absolutely mistaken. They talk. They have a few songs here and there, but for the most part, it's 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 not that. But, um, but yeah, but you're going to get shots for it, but it's just a fact. <laughs> whatever. Nah, it's true. Go back and listen to it. And, and no, I'll that's, wait. That's facts. I'll wait. Yeah. So, but but look, but look, I do still help think that, you know, especially Black Thought. I mean, look, mm-hmm. you, you know, Black Thought is a, is a political figure, I think, when it comes to, you know, the hip hop. He definitely has that in his arsenal. Mm-hmm. And I think that he does help pay the way for an mm-hmm. artist like, you know, most deaf. And mm-hmm. even though Common was doing it independently of Black Thought, you know, mm-hmm. just a lot of that sound.
0: Even just the video to what they do, right? Like, while it is commentary within our community saying, yo, don't do that silly ass shit, like that's coonery right there. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's still definitely like political and, um, you know, social commentary, I guess, just in in, a, in an inner inner reflective type of way.
1: Yeah, yep. yeah, not for sure. But, uh, you know, I think the the biggest name here um, for the late 90s sound, and you talk about ruckus and you talk about like these these this category of MC. I mean it's obviously most deaf. Right. You know, um and his project, Black on Both Sides. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's the most political protest album. I, I think it's the best one. I can't, <laughs> you know, and look, it's it's my it's one of my favorite albums, period, regardless yeah. of genre. It's in my top five of yeah. albums. So it, very near and dear to me, I'm, I'm biased, but I think that that entire record is is a form of protest, especially if we're going to yeah. use, you know, Panama's um, definition of protest, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it's a, it's a direct protest album. I, yeah, I actually yeah. feel like it's like directly like protest, protest album. And I agree, <laughs> it's, it's probably the best one. Just as an actual project.
0: It's a protest album in the way of like a Fela Kuti album or like a a Bob Marley album, right? Like it's like you have Chase Those Crazy Ballheads on a record with Three Little Birds. And, you know, so these are records that he's really talking about something. But then they're they're also just beautiful pieces of, of music, you know. So you could listen to Black on Both Sides end to end and enjoy it and barely
1: even realize you've listened to a protest album. And that's what's so amazing about it, right? Uh, Absolutely. And it's the album for me that I think that if you talk about all of the other, you know, political hip hop music or protest hip hop music that came beforehand. And I think if you took all those artists and then, you know, you give them you give them black on both sides, however many years after the fact and like, yes, this is what we were trying to do. Like this is yeah. like, this is a project that I think they would be absolute, like the, you know, the ice cubes of the world, the, the Melly Mells of the world, the, the Chuck Ds of the world, like mm-hmm. KRS-1s. Like, I think the black on both sides albums, the albums that are like, yes, absolutely. Like, this is it. Like, this is a dream come true it's, for us.
0: It's interesting, right? Because when you think though, about most stuff in general, as a, as, a, as a protest artist and his music as protest music, he doesn't sound angry like the other people we've talked about right so pretty much everything before besides like the roots um and even yeah. the roots to some degree right black thought on certain records he sounds he sounds angry but like most yeah. sounds like he's just kind of telling you like you know like mathematics for example right like he's just yeah. he's just telling he's just you the facts he's like look like this is yeah. the shit that's
1: going on period <laughs> this is my or, or it tracks like sounds like mr Nigger.
2: That that was was frustration. That's frustration music. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And annoyed music. I do do want to point out something, though, and I think it's important because Mm -hmm. this happens in everything that we do, especially community-wise. Like All these same artists that we've been talking about that are making music that could be considered protest music Mm. are still calling women bitches and hoes all through the rest (laughs) of their albums, right? Like, they're still... (laughs) It isn't until the late 90s where I yeah. think we start getting songs by m- black male artists that yeah. actually start to, they're dedicated, they're, they're mm. about women, but not in the, the same way that they've been. Like we, yeah. like black men have always had this, black men, Yeah, yeah. these you bitches are holding point. me back. You make it's a, great a lot point. of that that happens in <laughs> a lot of that music. And I bring this up yeah, because, I mean, sure. keep this in mind. Queen Latifah makes unity in the early '90s. That's true, right? That's true. Yeah. and it's not until, um, like even so, Goody Mob. This, this is this is crazy, but Goody Mob's beautiful skin. Uh-huh. It's still a hell of a respectability politics song. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> right. can't respect mm-hmm. you I can't respect you to respect yourself. Right, kind of song. Right, like right. we're still doing that. Like brown skin lady when Black Star does it is an ode to Black womanness, right? In yes. a way that you're not used to hearing. I think that's why so many women yeah. love that record, and so many yeah. people mm-hmm. like gravitated towards most in most stuff Talib. Like, wow, look yeah. at them; they're actually maybe they like women, maybe they actually yeah. like
0: us. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I think Pac, Pac also was seen as somebody who was like a breath of fresh air in that way when he like you know kind of came out with the Brenda's got her babies and did the, their Mamas and etc. But you're right, like. You know, even even with him, with with Pac, right? It was like two sides to a coin. He was the the the, the quintessential Gemini, right? Like on the next song, he'd be like, "Fuck you, bitches," blah blah blah. i got <laughs> all these holes, you know. And then the next song, you know. But like you said, like with with Mostef and Talib Kweli, it's like, you know, they put out Brown Skin Lady, and they're constantly celebrating women and making them a part of the black experience in a way that I feel like a lot of hip hop albums, the black experience was just this. It was just black men. Black men are getting yeah. assaulted. Black men need to do this. Black men need to do that, and it was entirely from that perspective of blackness as a male
1: perspective. Well, look, I think this is a perfect time to ask the question: <laughs> When are we going to speak about Lauren Hill? Hey. You know, and and I feel like I have to ask that because obviously we've done the episode on Lauren Hill, yeah. miseducation on Lauren Hill, which. Uh-huh. Some people have depicted this as a Hotep album. I don't hear it, but I'm in mean, Panama. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on where you where you think Lorne Hill lies in the hip hop political. Spectrum. You trying to
0: set my man up for failure? The interview <laughs> oh, There's no beef? setup here. <laughs> Listen,
2: <laughs> no, I well, I, I I am the one who encouraged our dear friend Shavira to write the article on VSB that basically murdered Lauren Hill's The Miseducation <laughs> album, right? Like, I wanted that. Yeah. I was like, yo, let's go for this. So, oh, man. you know, I, but, and I, and I do think that's, I think it's aged kind of terribly in the way that a lot of those <laughs> mentalities are are spoken. Like, I understand, but I was also one of those people that never loved it as much as everybody else when it came oh, out. Oh, wow. But I think okay. that's the yeah. case all the time. I think I'm just a hater.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing um, album.
2: I do think, though, Lauren Hill was a protest of a different type. Like mm, the way mm-hmm. that Lauryn Hill exploded, especially and in, in presented herself as a as as a version of hip hop that women could latch onto because uh-huh. it spoke to yeah. them, yeah. Uh, for them, yep. and in a way that allowed them to be seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no greater protest against, and that's that's protest against the establishment yeah, right. and the way that the art has treated women in these spaces. Yep. I mean, there's a reason why that album was so successful and won all the awards. It's not mm. whether I love it or not is is irrelevant. It's mm-hmm. good, and it it yep. presented a version of the music that needed to be seen. Right. So Lauren, I mean, Lauren is in in. Let's take a step further. Mm-hmm. After after the Miseducation and Lauren makes all these songs that, you know, you can go up or down on whether or not any of this shit is good. But <laughs> right. she was speaking about realness and it's yeah. all protest yeah. music after that. Like it's 100% yeah. protest music after Miseducation as far that's as I'm true. concerned. And my biggest regr- it's not my personal regret. Like that's why I think, that's why I hate Lauren's descent, so to speak, and kind of fall yeah. from grace. Yeah. Because if there's any artist that I think could literally have been... The Tupac of, of oh, like yeah. the in, in impact. Yeah. It's Lauren Hill. Lauren yeah. Hill was 100% yeah. because look, dudes respected her because she could spit. Right. she get on mm-hmm. your record and, yep. and take you out. Fact. She had yeah. the, but we loved her because she was beautiful and she mm-hmm. was, she literally was the woman that every guy wanted.
0: She was beautiful, she was the most vulnerable, relatable. The whole Lord, total dude. package. Exactly.
2: She was literally as an artist, and I don't, and I'm not trying to objectify it all, but she was like, as far as an artist goes, she was, there's nothing we felt she could not do yeah. well right. and, and like exceptionally. Right. So that's the one reason why I've always wished that Lauren did, what, however it happened, whatever, you know, and, you know, yeah. prayers to her and everything she's gone through yeah. is because I think she could have literally been a movement artist that generally moved the art because you, of her, who she is.
0: You know, it's crazy. If she draked as well as Drake, she would be Tupac now, the Tupac of that. <laughs> like, because, you know, I mean a lot of a lot of the 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 descent of of Lauren came from, you know, this whole kind of there's a whole team around what I'm working on, but I'm not trying to give the whole team credit. I think I can do it myself. And then it becomes like, well, what's you and what's the team? And then a legal battle around that. And then, you know, then, you know, well, then you start to rethink, like, do I really want my brand to be the same as what my brand is or do I want to change it? And I mean, you know, there's been a lot, but I feel like Drake, not to take this conversation way on a different tangent, but I feel like Drake is somebody who like knows his brand, stays the course, has the team. Keeps the team under him, you know, fed well enough that they that the, the descent isn't too bad to break up the machine and the machine just keeps going. So.
2: Yeah. You know, if I one thing I, you know, I think gets lost in that, and maybe it doesn't get lost, maybe it's just part of the story with her is can you imagine the amount of pressure she's under to be yeah. I mean, pot yeah. cracked under that pressure. I mean, let's be real, yeah. you know, like like pot cracked under it. Um Biggie probably didn't crack as much because Maybe he had a better group of people around him helping him. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like maybe he was a little more independent in thought with some of that. Like, he didn't feel like he had to be everything to all people.
0: But Pac's pressure was different, though.
2: I mean, it was self-inflicted. Don't get me wrong. But I also think that, you know, Pac really was an everyman type of artist. Mm -hmm. And he was also extremely impressionable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was always seemed to be looking for a big brother or somebody else to kind of like be that. And you know, I think that's where, you know, the, the Suge thing comes in. Lauren was on an island. Yeah. Lauren had yeah. far surpassed expectations that anybody had, creates one of the most moving albums of all time, like historically. Right. right. Um, like she's a miseducation is on the what's going on levels, as far as I'm concerned, yep. in terms yep. of yep. impact and what it means to the culture. Yep. Like that's a hell of a that's a hell of a, a burden to carry. Yeah. I don't even know how you follow that up. Like <laughs>
3: right.
2: nobody has to follow up Miseducation but yeah. Lauren and yeah. all the shit surrounding it makes it hard to do. I, I, I can't agree. even blame her for being like, you know what, I'm just gonna make an album <laughs> with a guitar. Well, yeah. And I, I got mean, three chords the, and I'm gonna play in three different ways.
0: Cause the saddest thing about it, right? I think you make you make a great point. The saddest thing about it is if you look at who she's surrounded by in terms of her creative circle it's Wyclef and Pras, right? So it's like, the album's about Wyclef, <laughs> right? So, so, all right, now the album comes out, you know, there's that, that little rift between them and they're both the kind of the creative geniuses that propel that camp. So where does she go from there? Wyclef, of course, goes on to have great industry relationships and, you know, make great, you know, a bunch of great music with a bunch of great other collaborators. Lauren argues with her collaborators and, you know, it kind of fizzles out after that.
2: So yeah. I just I I always wish that she could Yeah. I wish we could see what the other side of because in terms of like protest because of like what we're speaking about. Yeah. I genuinely think that's her wavelength. Yeah. I genuinely believe she has that Bob Marley like ethos, that Fela ethos that I the way that I think, the way that I move is about the culture and yep. moving the culture and creating the art that is about the culture. Agreed. And that's the kind of protest stuff I was talking about. Like, is this black music as protest music? And I think she was that just by yeah. virtue of her existence and what that existence impacts.
1: Yeah. I think the the... The better comparison in terms of artists cracking Mm -hmm. under pressure. You talk about Tupac. That's a good one. I think that Biggie probably isn't a very good one to compare to just because I don't Mm -hmm. think Biggie ever cared about that shit. I think that in Biggie's (laughs) mind, he's the best on the mic and that's it. He doesn't care. Right. Right. I think Ice Cube would be a better one Mm. to, to compare to. But Ice Cube, I think, just spent so much time being angry that that's how he was able to deal with the pressure. Right.
0: And then once but he then wasn't angry some... anymore, he just didn't focus right. on music.
1: Yeah. I, I right.
2: mentioned this before on one of these episodes I was having, yeah. was on with you all, or at some point, where him and Eminem, the reason why they fall off is because they don't have no, nobody's mad at them anymore. They're all <laughs> right. like, well, you're great. Right. Cool. And they just like, well, but right. I still need to be mad in order to create. <laughs> and therefore, like, so I don't even know if that's a cracking under pressure. It's just, no, there's it's, no pressure. But
1: look, yeah. I'm not sure if anyone could really handle it because, especially if you look at someone like, I mean, look. You, you mentioned Bob Marley. um mm-hmm. You've mentioned Fela. Mm-hmm. Like Fela, technically cracked yeah. under his pressure. Yeah. um And then you look at someone like Jay Z. Right. All right. He Arguably doesn't give a the, fuck. The biggest. But that's the point, though. Yeah. That's the point, right? Like I think that you have to throughout care. the ages, throughout the years, we've tried to put pressure on Jay Z, and he's just been like, "Fuck it. I yeah. care about my business. That's it." We don't get. A real focused effort in terms of the the conscious shit until 44 444, and that's to address the fact that he cheated on his wife. Yeah, you have to care to crack. You have to care to crack. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. And so I think that you know, sure, yeah, Lauren cracked. Tupac cracked because who can else? Who who else can 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 withstand that pressure? I mean, like, mm. <laughs> you, you talked about you talked about Michael Jordan at the at the, at the outset of the at the episode, and it's right. like, look, that's one of the things that made him great, is he that he care. was, for all intents and purposes, you know, he was able to to, to hold up to that pressure. Of course, in 1993, mm-hmm. but well, that's the thing. Even in 1993, though, right after his father dies he cracked like he has to even get away from the spotlight fair point um because it's too much pressure for even him to handle yeah so for what happens to tupac and for what happens to lauren hill it's just like Mm. look that i guess i think it's just a testament to how great they were both just as musicians but also in terms of like just they had so much pressure because we gave them so much weight because yeah. we knew kind of that potential that Panama was talking about. Like we yeah. knew what they were capable of and what they were bringing out of us, mm. you know, just as listeners. Yeah. Um, and it's almost inevitable that like who else can really <laughs> withstand that pressure? So you know. that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. But uh, we got the turn of, turn of the millennium here. You got you got Ruckus making head waves. Most F is on the scene. We've got a group that comes out that. I wasn't a particularly big fan of as <laughs> as musicians um, but we we talked about this when we did their podcast you know obviously you got Dead prez um mm-hmm. there's a i mean that is the definition of political music right yes unfortunately i don't think a lot of their music was all that great uh we kind of spoke about how this kind of sounds like an after school special a little bit but i mean look you know you, you've you've got deb prez there um you've got boots riley and the coop I mean, why don't y'all just discuss some of these artists real quick?
2: Yeah. All right. So I listen, I listened to y'all Dead Prez um, episode yeah. because that album, to me, uh, Let's Get Free, mm-hmm. is one of the yeah. most ridiculous pieces of art <laughs> yeah. I have ever heard in my life. Now, it's not because it's bad. It's just too on the nose. Like, you all mentioned it is, how, like, yeah. like they're going to have a song called Discipline. They're going to have a song called, <laughs> yes. you know, Be healthy. Yes. Go Outside and, and Fight. They're going to have <laughs> songs. Like, yeah. like, there's and, no... And you,
1: you don't even need to read the titles. Like, you just you yes, listen to your yeah. songs. Like, oh, I bet the song is called Discipline. The Boom, titles are like Discipline. the cliff Wah. notes
0: for the album. Like, you don't even yes. need to listen to the album. You just see yes, the, yes, the yes, title yes. and you're yes. like, okay.
2: They have ridiculous yeah. shit like Mind Sex, which is, you know, like, <laughs> Ooh. I'm Ooh. I want to smash, but I would like to get to know you first. And you yeah. know, which is and I hate Mind Sex with my whole heart just because of I don't my, like it either. How performatively, like. <laughs> It's such a scam, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yes. like an ultimate yes. finesse song because <laughs> most women I know that around that time that knew who Prez were loved that song, right? Because, I see. So and I'm, just, I I'm trying like, to tell this, you, outlaw,
0: like women like that song. <laughs> It's a, it's an ultimate scam. Now it's, it's it's a testament to how <laughs> fucked up we are as men, yo. Because like the fact yeah, that yes. they heard that and was like, "Oh, this is a great alternative to this other bullshit going on over here."
2: <laughs> yes, but this ain't this ain't the dead prayers episode. I really right. enjoyed that. I see it the way y'all see it. Boots Riley, on the other hand, so you know how um, okay. in, in the coop. So they're they're from they're from from Oakland. It's an Oakland mm-hmm, group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, late nineties, mid to late nineties. Yes. And Boots is um. Most people know him now, if you know him at all, because right. he is the writer and director of "Sorry to Bother You." Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yes, the main I know character, writer director. I'm much less familiar with the music. Yeah,
2: the main character in that movie, Cassius Green, is actually a character on one of the albums. He has an album called "Sorry to Bother You." There's a mm-hmm. there's a whole there's a whole thing. So take take the Dead Prez mentality <laughs> and turn it into a Picasso of abstractness and like like make it make it weird mm-hmm. extremely anti-capitalist mm-hmm. extremely anti-establishment
0: yeah
2: pro burn everything down um if you in fact if you've seen the movie sorry to bother you all the crazy shit in that movie is literally like listening to a boots ride the album so when i saw the you movie i was like oh i get it this is 100 what i've what i have known of them known of that group to be where everybody else who's unfamiliar is like,
0: why is there a horseman? Think like cool, <laughs> think like cool Keith, right? Like, like in yeah, that time okay. frame where people were making yes. like really abstract hip hop albums, that's what like Bo- Boots Riley and the Coop is like. But Boots is so what? far to the left. Like,
2: yeah. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure there's. We haven't seen how far left <laughs> Boots goes. Like, we we all stop somewhere and we're yeah. like, all right, we still got to make it out here. And Boots right. is like, man, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck your job, like it's, it's it's it's. But I I also recommend like he got into Boots got into very live instrumentation stuff. Yeah, uh, it was just so extreme that it's yeah. not it's not for everybody. Like a lot of that music, oddly a lot of that music from Oakland, a lot of those cats. That's true. In the horrorcore
0: and whatever realm cats. they're in,
2: yeah, they're very you know it's. They're so out there with their stuff that it mm-hmm. appeals to a very small fan base of rabid fans.
0: Yes. And so that that's that's a great a great, a great segue, because like, right, so Outlaw and I went to, to UVA, right, which is in Charlottesville, which is a very interesting, you know, blend of people. Um and I feel like there were some rabid Boots Riley and the Coup fans in, in Charlottesville just because you know, like you said, like it's it's kind of a very abstract brand of of, of protest music, right? And so, you know, these are some of the <laughs> these are some of the, the the themes you know that really either really resonate with you when you're in college or don't, right? So you're mm-hmm. gonna find like rabid fans in like a college that would love this kind of music, um, and that's Absolutely. actually the reason why I brought it up. Yeah, I mean, I I can't even
2: tell you to go listen to this stuff because <laughs> I can see it being a turnoff almost immediately. Right for a lot of people. Yeah. But if you are young, angry, anti-capitalist, anti-establishment, you know, um there there's that there's that scene in Sorry. Have you, both of you seen Sorry to bother you?
0: I haven't seen it. I have.
2: Okay. So there's a scene in yeah, if you haven't seen it by now, I'm a, i I yeah, imagine that's at some nah. point maybe you will, but Spoiler there's there. a ahead. scene in that movie where Tessa Thompson is doing the art, like she's doing yeah. She's doing a poem, but their people are throwing like,
1: throwing shit. It away, looks like yeah.
2: blood and all kind of stuff. Like that's literally. I was like, oh yeah, this is 100% Boots. <laughs> I interviewed him actually. I I got asked to um, interview him at a screening of the movie, mm-hmm. which was very fortuitous for the company that asked me to do it because I'm familiar with him and I get it. Right. I don't know if they 100% knew that, but I showed up with my Oakland A's hat on. Like so, <laughs> he was good with me. He was like, oh you. He's like, oh so you familiar with my music? I'm like, Bro, right. I'm '90s hip hop head. Like I, I know, I know the coupe. I know your <laughs> music. He was like, "All right, we can talk then." So he was talking to me like he was legitimately like, "All right." So That's you know, you're like. familiar. So it, it was ended yeah. up being a good convo because I've I've seen some interviews with him that go way left because people are like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, is happening, and he's like, "You just, you don't, you not, you don't get it." Um, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
2: Hard to digest though. Even as somebody who gets it, it was very hard to digest, but. Definitely, protest music of the left, the most left order that right. you can be in. Um, I, but I also get why the fan base is not because he's still making albums. I think yeah. he, he put out an album in probably 2017, 18. Oh, I mean, well. there's albums out there,
0: yeah, recent. And to bring yeah. it to to bring it back to to Dead Prez before we before we jump, um, I I really I th- thought it was was this was an interesting place to make the tangent that you know um, Chappelle right obviously is 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 very very political in nature his show and i feel like he you know really tried to use his platform to elevate you know both common and black star who we who we've already mentioned and dead prez by making their song his come that song he comes out to every episode um i feel like he you know gave them a platform that elevated their music um and and kind of helped with them as protest music
1: well, and not just the show, but also he put them yeah. on the, the, the block, block party. party.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, you know, I, I talk some shit about Dead Press, but truthfully, like, I respect the hell out of what they were trying to do. Like, yeah. as human beings, as men, I have the yes. utmost respect for oh, like, absolutely. where they're going and what they were trying to accomplish and, yeah. you know, what they probably accomplished for some people. You know what right. I mean? Like, it yes. for some people... Yes. I've had conversation with a lot with a lot of people who feel like this album is one of those albums that really gets it from a what we should be doing right. end. I just think it was very extreme, yeah. and I don't yeah. know that you know they had some very extremist idea. You know, ideas. I, I didn't and even I think, mind you know,
1: the ideas. I didn't even mind that. I, and th- and I said this <laughs> when we did that episode. I'll reiterate it now that I said it at the at the outset or just at the top of that episode. I said, look. Yeah, no no disrespect to stickman and M1. Like no disrespect to them as men. I know that they're out in the streets doing far more than I've ever done. It was just my critique <laughs> on the music itself from an objective point of view, just the music aesthetic. Those were the issues that I took from it. Yeah. But uh, but yes, in terms of the things that they're doing for the community, who they are as men, I mean absolutely no no criticisms, you know, none whatsoever. Cool, cool. So but um we talked a lot about you know 20 years of hip-hop now going from the 80s and the 90s we skipped a little bit obviously you talked about queen latifah probably should have spoken a little bit that about that more but look you know where do we kind of stand in like the 2000s and and late 2010 periods you know so
0: i i I always like to 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 call the 2010s the blog era right um you know i mean this is when and and i mean i'm sure you know at the time, me and you outlaw were friends and uh, music friends, but we more met minds on music that was older music. We would go digging. We'd be into you know jazz and funk and exactly. stuff that's not hip hop. But at this point in time, right. the music that I was consuming was from Nah Right and Two Dope Boys and you know all these different blogs. That we're featuring these people who were going to be the next big artists of of our generation, right? And so, you know, in the early, you know, the tens is is when we're getting, you know, the the Drake, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, all these big stars that we have now. The Joey Badasses, they all kind of come from this blog era. So, is I is Joey would say Badass that's the next a big star? He's on a major label. He's been sponsored by okay. clothing companies. I I, I I'd say oh, yeah. he's a big star.
2: Yeah, he, he, he's, he's in movies. A show. He he's on in,
1: shows. Plays Inspector Deck. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he does a good job as Inspector Deck too.
2: He has a career. Joey Badass has a career. Yeah, that's what yeah. he he has an actual career that jumped off because of his music. Yeah, star is probably strong, but it mm-hmm. interestingly he's everywhere. Like he's yeah. in every show that you watch now. Somebody he's yep. in there somewhere. Yeah, so
1: yeah and we're gonna jump around a little bit but since we're talking about joey badass he does have um right. a very political album that he released i want to say it was when trump got inaugurated and it's talking mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, Black Lives Matter. Um, some real conscious, good hip-hop here. Yeah, if know? I remember
0: correctly, you highlighted it on, on an episode that we did uh, of the podcast, that album.
1: I did. I listened to it twice when it came out, or when we discussed it. I have not gone back to listen to it other than, like, a few tracks here and there. Yeah. Once or twice. There's a record called yeah. Land of the
0: Free, I believe it is. Yeah, that's
1: the, that's the big and that's a, the And that was that's a big a really
0: protest album. record for sure
1: absolutely it was
0: i've never been um, the biggest joey badass fan but you know i really thought that that was a good record mm-hmm. yeah i'm
2: you know i'm i'm like that too i'm i'm not the biggest joey badass fan in terms of like his art though devastated which is on that album that mm-hmm. that has it's like all american badass yeah like that song went i knew that was one of those hit songs yeah, but yeah, for sure. i do appreciate yeah. artists like him who actually can spit like like joey can spit like he's, yeah. a, he's a rapper you know what i mean? And. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the attempt. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't love the song, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have a reason why. It just felt like mm-hmm. because that album was one that I think was intended to make him a star. Mm-hmm. Like the songs that are on it had that kind of feel for that sure. were supposed to, yeah. like go out of there and right. all America. You know, um, Land of the Free" kind of had that feel of it to me. Yeah. I don't remember listening to it multiple times. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's cool. Um, I don't
0: think that, and th- and this is not this is not a knock to him, you know, but. I don't think Joey Badass has that it factor. I'm gonna be honest. The no, the the factor definitely. that makes p- everybody want to know J Cole and know Kendrick Lamar and know Drake, I don't think he has it. Right. And so I think even when you do have a record like Devastated, which was a really big record, and you could tell they made it to to be out of here, the the rest of the image I don't think carries him to to that next level that they're trying to get him to. But um, but I think I think he you know. Like you said, he's a rapper. That that 1999 mixtape was, you know, was a, a, one of the mixtapes of this this blog era that people still talk about, right? Like that was yeah. Uh, Dude, uh, waves uh, is
2: still one of the best songs right. of this of this millennium, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I and I mean that without hyperbole. Like I love Waves so much. When I heard it, I was like, oh my god, this. I like is J this Cole over Waves them. better, but <laughs> that's <just> okay. Fair, <laughs> fair, but it was it was it was Joey's song, so right, am right. Getting, right. I mean, J. Cole Cole is a much better version of, is the version that Joey Badass probably wishes he could be on that kind of
1: record. True, true. Well, look, there's some artists that we're going to get into. Obviously, we could talk about J. Cole, Kendrick's a big one, Mm -hmm. Lupe Fiasco. Mm -hmm. But I think that one of the questions that we were asking ourselves uh, when we were going to plan this episode is, is there a contrast between artists today versus the artists that we grew up with? Um, Has the tone of hip hop changed? There is still conscious political hip hop out there now. I mean, you can find it in numerous places. Right. But do you think that it carries the weight that it used to? I think it definitely does.
0: Um and okay. I, and I think I think, you know, All Right by Kendrick Lamar is the perfect example, right? Like that song mm-hmm. almost became when the Ferguson protests happened and Black Lives Matter really yes. became a national thing. The All Right was like the song you were going to hear at every at every joint. You you you'd see it in news broadcasts like It became the song that narrated the movement almost in a way of like, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. You know what I'm saying? So So I think there's room for that. Here's
1: my question though. Okay. Here's my question. And I want to get Panama's response on this as well. But aside from, all right, in fact, aside from any Kendrick Lamar record, do you think that we as a hip hop community have songs that stick with us? carry the equivalent weight of political records of the past. So, for example, songs like Sound, uh, Sound of the Police, mm. Fuck the Police, Fight the Power. With the exception of songs from Kendrick Lamar, do we have any records that, that still do that? Like, on the same level or no?
0: Hmm. I think w- that what we've done is, is uh, and, and sorry, this is going to be a longer answer than it should be, We've, we've segmented or niched audiences in a way that is that is positive from the perspective of of artists that are coming up right to where mm-hmm. you know you can make something that really really impacts 10,000 people or a hundred thousand people yeah. and those people you know really get it but because of the fact that the the music industry isn't streamlined in the same way because exactly. everybody has access to everything mm-hmm. everybody has some small piece of the world that they really love and so mm-hmm. I think very few things that are political in nature permeate the the social wave at that level to where it becomes a moment for everybody. Because it, it, you, you know 100%. it's difficult to get that platform. So typically, when you do get that platform, and I criticize Drake for this all the time. Sorry, Drake. I still think yeah. you're a good artist. But you know what you get at that level is mayonnaise. You know what you get at yeah. that level is something that that doesn't piss enough people off. And so it's, it's universal enough that everybody can hold on to it. Right. And by then, it's not polarized. Right. By then you stripped all the teeth from whatever that art is so that everybody can consume it.
2: Yeah. I also think, you know, part of the, part of the struggle there is, you know, all right wasn't made to be the song of the movement. It ended up being the song of the movement. It was a song that timing helped and all of a sudden it became uh, synonymous with it. Right. You know, um, Fight the Power was for the movie. It was for Do the Right Thing, right, which right, was yeah. a mm-hmm. landmark, you know, a landmark day in Brooklyn mm-hmm. art piece that just went out of there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, think about this. Before Malcolm X, how many people would have Sam Cook's A Change Will Come as like one of the top, you know, protest records of all time? I think the movie mm-hmm. elevated that in such a way. And, and that song was meant to be that, but that movie... Exposed it to a whole new group of people who right. probably never, who probably weren't familiar with it in that way, and now, yeah. it always rests in that in that space. Mm. I don't know, you know. For instance, like you know, J. Cole's D Free," which right. you know, I I I appreciate and love the sentiment behind it.
0: Why didn't he put That's, that out?
2: I don't know, but because I feel like thing it could have been
0: bigger. It it
2: maybe and I think. Yeah. A lot of songs that end up sticking stick for a reason. You know, right, right, right. let's be real. We're we're yeah. three hip hop heads right here. We're talking about KRS One, <laughs> yeah. a rapper who a significant number of people probably would not think of under any circumstance. In mm. terms, if you start talking about rap in general right now, like people, right, right. if Jay people might remember. Um, I don't know. Jay Z probably doesn't even have that resonance. You know what I mean? Like it would mm. take. Like, Kendrick Lamar's All Right is going to be that one song because yeah. of how synonymous it fits with the movement right now. So it, mm-hmm. it is forever going to be his mm-hmm. song. Yep. That whole album is insanely political. Yes, yes, Like, yes. the Pimple Butterfly Absolutely. is as political an album as we will ever... Mm-hmm. Look at the cover Fact. of the album, you know what right. I mean? But <laughs> yeah. All Right is the song we all know because it's the optimism, yeah. right? It's the, it's the yeah. optimistic song. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it would take... A litany of events, I think, for a song to have enough resonance to really be that thing because yeah. something has to be associated with it for mm-hmm. it to be, to become that. We have yeah. a, a very nostalgic reverence for a lot of music mm-hmm. and it's easy yeah. to look back on it and say, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if Ice Cube releases America's Most Wanted today, like the version of it today, that mm-hmm. should be a classic album. It should fit. Mm-hmm. Black on Both Sides should, is an album that fits this movement, you know, mm-hmm. and it's... But I don't even know if those albums would have that resonance because it'd be segmented into whoever's listening to that. You know so, what I mean? So here's
0: a question: Do y'all consider God's Plan protest music? Because popularity-wise, it's it's kind of up there with like an All Right, right? It has an optimistic tone to it. Do we consider that in
1: this conversation? Uh, I think it's pandering, but that's me. That's all I'm gonna say.
2: I love God's plan. Never would have thought of it in that. Yeah, in I,
0: I don't either. But it, but 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 I'm I'm asking is is that from the perspective of how we view Drake as an artist? Because if Kendrick came out with God's plan, would we see it as a as a political as a political song because of
1: the <laughs> artist? Kendrick can do better than God's plan. I'm not a big fan of that song, so. Yeah, I mean that,
0: that's
2: an interesting question because number one, I think so. Kendrick is in that space. He's kind of in that D'Angelo recluse space, as far as I'm concerned. Right, right, like, right. The Black Messiah album was largely political, right? It was mm-hmm. a very political mm-hmm. album. There's some, like songs like the charade; those are those songs are like about that yeah. life. Yep. I feel like Kendrick is somewhat in that same vein, though for much sure. more uh, accessible, and you know. But he's an artist, so there's no way that Kendrick makes God's plan without it being a much more expansive yeah. Yeah, type yeah, thing. Agree. You know what I mean? I like agree. there would have been layers
0: to it for sure.
2: God, Kendrick's God's plan is how much a dollar costs. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> it's it's a different. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's a yeah. well-developed idea and thought, yeah. and it has stickiness to it because right. it makes you think. Right. I don't think Drake has that in him.
1: Mm. To go back to the question prior, I think that both of you guys touch on the issue. First of all, like "Alright" is a dope song, independent of anything else right. that's going on. It's a, it's a song that is stuck with us because it knocks at the club right like it knocks like on any playlist regardless it just is, is, is dope and I think that Yinka you touched on it brilliantly when you talk about how segmented the industry is I mean look yes growing up in the 90s in the early 2000s 80s whatever it, radio was regionalized but at the end of the day there were still hits that were pretty universal across every single station yeah. um, on the radio and especially when you got to the TV right but now like I don't watch BET. I don't watch MTV. I, I, if, if there's a music video I watch, I want to. I, I get to watch that on YouTube, and I get to decide for myself what it is that I want to watch. There is not some curator, if you will, that is kind of saying, "Hey, like this is this is the hit now." Um, Rap caviar. Or, or this is popular. <laughs> yeah, whatever. If you. <laughs> But I don't have to tune into that, right? right you know no. what I mean? Like at, at the time when I wanted to, to see music, new music, I had to, to, I had three options, right? You can listen to the radio, you could uh, watch MTV, BET, or VH1, whoever, the box, if you will, or like you go to some party and a DJ is playing some new shit and like, you know, whatever. But like now it's like, look, things get popped up. You can either like skim it real quick, ignore it go on about your business whatever like there's no universal place for us all to meet and get this music and I think that that is one of the roadblocks if you will that would cause a lot of this you know protest music to get to the forefront because there Mm -hmm. are artists out and out today who are making a lot of conscious records yeah but we just don't collectively all share it, right? Like, mm. you know, Rhapsody was making uh, uh conscious records, but like, right. a lot of people don't listen to Rhapsody and mm. they don't even have to listen to Rhapsody. Right. They don't know, have to know any Rhapsody. You don't have all. to know Rhapsody Whereas,
0: exists based on the way exactly. the internet is segmented. Yeah.
1: Whereas growing up in the 90s, even if you didn't listen to a certain artist, you knew that they existed for the most right. part. I mean, obviously, you're going to have regions here and there. You know right. what I mean? Mm. But I think that the 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 popular records that could bubble to the surface mm. even now like with the exception of someone like Drake right with the mm. exception of someone like like Kendrick you know even even if you wanted to say J. Cole J. Cole is someone who I think has a large platform. Yeah. Even if you wanted to ignore J. Cole you could. Right? I think Kendrick and Drake is a little bit more difficult to ignore them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but even someone like J. Cole is just like, look, I don't have to listen to him. If That's true. you know it's whatever. That's true. You know, and I think it's just gonna make it very, very difficult for those artists to, to, well, see, to get that platform. Another
0: crazy thing is, right, the barriers of entry are also so low to be, you know, what we're calling a musician, right? Like nowadays right. Yeah. everybody yeah. has a platform, yes. right? Like I can open yes. up my smartphone <laughs> and record something in notes and, and it could be on Spotify, you know, by the end of the day, right? So it's like yeah. It, it, because of that, there's so much noise to cut through that when you talk signal-to-noise ratio, you know what I'm saying like, like the actual signal, you got to have a, a, a whole a massive machine behind you to get whatever it is that your product is into the maximum amount of homes and still have some sort of a message in it. So
1: yeah, I agree with that. So here's a question then: Given what we just said, um, there's a question that we wanted to ask. And that is, is it fair to call on these artists to use what platforms they have to speak on this black plight, especially if these platforms are potentially so scattered?
2: I mean, I think so. I, I do think as an artist, so if you if you call yourself, an, well, I, this, OK, this is going to fall into those what is what is hip hop kind of stuff arguments. And <laughs> right. I don't think there's any way around it. If you consider yourself an artist, by nature you're going to be your, your environment is going to be part of your muse. You're going to have to mm-hmm. speak on these things because great art typically comes out of some type of emotional core space, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of music I listen to, the rap caviar playlist and things like that. That's not <laughs> emotional music. It's music for the moment. It's it's right. vibe music. It's right. I have a sound. I need to put something on top of this so we can put it out, right? Right. Um, yeah. But if you're an artist who is who cares about the culture and cares about people, it's almost impossible not to want to make something that speaks to it, even if it's not your core competency. Right. You are going to want to try just because that is what you do as an artist. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um you mentioned Rhapsody, like that Eve album
3: it's is amazing out. in yes. terms
2: of what it executes. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's it's and that's a thought that had to come out of a, a real space for her. Like, I want to highlight women and I want to highlight what we are and what we bring to the table. And the fact that you all, like, why aren't we at the table? You know, mm-hmm. Solange is a seat at the yeah. table. Like, you get those kind of, as an artist, it's impossible not to take that stuff. Mm-hmm. I am not going to expect Drake to mm-hmm. make the song for the movement. I'm just not going to do it because he's right. already shown me that's not what he does. Right. Um, and frankly, I'm not. You talk about apolitical. Like I don't. I can't genuinely think of a Drake take on anything that matters. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people like. ask Lil Wayne's opinion on stuff for no good reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they do that. Before you it to a Drake, you know, and, and yeah. Drake has attempted to. I mean, I'm sorry, Lil Wayne has attempted to make somewhat political music before. You know, he's attempted he it. You know, and I mean, George
1: Bush is a is a crazy political record. You know, yeah, after Matthew, right. Katrina,
2: absolutely. Like he's made political songs whereas i cannot think of a single song of drake's that i think has a message worth listening to for that reason like and um
1: look Yinka talked about this um and i think that both of you highlighted this there was an article i want to say that you shared on your facebook panama talking about the this was in the aftermath of drake releasing his midnight mixtapes whatever yes david dennis wrote that Um, article who (laughs) Right, right, right. And the article is basically saying like this is going to be Drake's struggle to not give us any real depth in this music. like yeah. right? all these other artists have have grown and they their music has reached a certain maturity and continues to mature. Drake just doesn't do that. Yeah, because he's just not that kind of guy. Yeah, you know? I think
0: I think though, you know, and I said this on maybe a couple episodes back, but you know, I think it is fair though, for us to to call on our artists, to use their platforms to highlight and elevate the voices of individuals who can be beneficial to the movement. So like I don't want to yeah. hear what Drake has to say about Black Lives Matter or whatever, I don't care. But, you know, yeah. he does have a platform that's big enough that he can highlight people who are out here doing work. If the work is, you know, we want to we want to highlight the Minnesota uh Freedom Fund, you know, put th- tweet that link. I mean, you know, you got you got 30 yeah. million followers you know if, if everybody if, if 30 million people and i don't know how many millions of followers he has but if, he, if you have 30 million followers and everybody gives a dollar then you know we got a lot of people that we can bail out you know that are protesting right now so i mean I, I think those are the things that in my opinion i would call on these artists to do my expectation is i don't need all y'all to put put your protest songs out like like i don't need that from everybody absolutely
1: but that is them still taking a stance though right that's not. Yeah. That's not them being neutral on something. I think they have an obligation to care.
2: As an artist, you have well, an obligation. Yeah, it, it, as a, a, as a, especially in today's day and age. Like, and yeah. I, there's that whole thing. Like, you know, you, I. What is? What are artists' responsibilities to the culture? Right. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a mm-hmm. this this is the Jordan question. This is the <laughs> anybody. This is the yeah. question about what do people with means owe the community? Right. And I am one of those people that genuinely thinks you owe the community to care Mm -hmm. you owe the community Mm -hmm. to care in a fashion that at least doesn't make anything worse for anybody but if you if you can amplify if if it ain't your ministry to do it yourself that's fine i do think it is important to enable other people to do so if you have the means to do so which is what yinke is saying right because especially in this moment right this is a moment where um Real lives are at stake. I mean, they're always at stake. Mm-hmm. But right now, when you have the resonance where we're actually pushing or people are pushing, they're about to push that wall over. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And this comes up yeah. in a, you know, I did a, um with VSB, we did a discussion with uh, Shamira, who we mentioned here, and a friend of ours, Malika Jabali, Um, we did like a face, a, a VSB live discussion about this. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how everything, like the plot getting lost because everything has become a part of the moment, right? You know, right the discussions yeah. about media discussions about uh it's it's from police brutality to people are picking like small things just implicit bias. <laughs> right. it's, it's it's everything right? right but i get how that happens because when the hell else have we had a moment that felt like everything is on the table yeah and fuck the table mm-hmm. let's let's take the just whole thing out like we gotta go over. for yep. everything we can in the moment as an artist it seems like this is the time to make your mark in in if you wanna matter, yeah. this is a time to do it. Now you can't do it superficially. Like if it just really yeah. ain't what you're good at, if it mm-hmm. ain't something like if it's gonna sound fake, let somebody else do it, that's cool. Yeah. If you have ability to amplify somebody who got that, then cool. But mm-hmm. I do think you have an obligation right now to care and do what you can to make sure that care is actionable.
1: Right. So you bring to mind two points that I want to discuss, and they're completely different. Um, one, though, you were talking about, you know, having, the artist having the responsibility to, to care. And I think that that would be a great segue to talk about what Chappelle just dropped, his right. his special, um, 846. Right. But also, you know, before we get into that, uh, you talked about it shouldn't be superficial. I think that's a good time to bring up uh, the, the YG video yeah. that he shot at the protest, and Chica's response to that, right. which I didn't even know who Chica was, okay. which is crazy because she has a tiny desk on NPR, which yeah. is fired. Yeah, uh, I yeah, was about to go. I, you know I just watched. I was like, oh my god! Like I've never heard of this person. Yeah, she's Chica's amazing. Bad. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but either way, you know yeah you, you could probably um, highlight a little bit more some of the uh, the dispute that she had with him, yeah, no
0: doubt. I mean you know i've 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 been a fan of YG's music um, and I've always talked about this you know for, pretty much for the same reason i've've I've been a TDE fan since you know they kind of their inception, right like I feel like as a kid right. growing up in Southern California, everybody knows a YG and everybody knows somebody from the, you know who, somebody who reminds them of every single member of, of TDE right? Um, but, you right. know, so I'm, I'm a fan of YG, but, you know, here it seems as though YG's kind of label has and, and, and this is just my perspective. So, you know, people might have uh, other other ways of looking at this, but it seems like they kind of rushed this song called Fuck the Police, where the words right. are basically just fuck the police over and over again. There, there isn't really much spe- specificity to the actual issues that are going on right now. Um, they come out mm-hmm. with this song, you know, that 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 kind of seems like a, a pretty hurried record. Um, and they they use the venue of um, the protests that are happening in, in, in L.A. right now, Black Lives Matter protest, um, you know, to shoot, to film a video for this Fuck the Police um, uh, yeah. song. And um, so Chica kind of jumped on you know, Twitter to express kind of her disgust that they're, or they were organizing, you know, to try to get people to yeah. come around and film this music video. And it kind of took, you know, took the attention away from what the actual pu- purpose of the protest and the memorial for um, for Breonna Taylor and et cetera, that, that they had, had organized and made it about this YG music video. Um, so I, I guess that kind of sets the stage. I don't know if either of y'all have opinions on, on that.
2: Yeah, I mean... You know, I'm not entirely familiar with all of that. I did see the song. Mm-hmm. I saw there was a video. Um, I know YG, I'm familiar enough with his music. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not familiar enough to know if if he's the kind of artist that should be doing this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like nothing that I've ever heard of him makes me think that this is the artist that mm-hmm. that could be a movement leader. But if I'm being completely fair, neither was T.I. You know, Mm -hmm. T.I. all of a sudden turns into freaking Harry Belafonte. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and, you know, no no diss to Harry Belafonte, (laughs) T.I. ain't you. But, you know, it's like, you never know what motivates these artists, right? You never know what what incites inside them that fire, that has an impact now I have no so, idea if YG gives a shit like I I'm, really don't and my my first yeah. thought is he doesn't But I'm gonna keep it does. real I mean, though because he, he's got the, in, in, the fuck
0: Donald Trump in see, right in seeing the video it almost looks like a carbon copy of fuck Donald Trump right so they make fuck Donald Trump right. it, 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 obviously him and Nipsey coming together I think a lot right. of the idea behind it was, was Nipsey but that's fine they make the video um, they film this video in, in LA and it becomes like basically like a riot right and then right. police come to bring it up that. and they get all that on video So it almost seems like they said, oh, let's let's make this again. Right. Like like this worked for us before. Let's make this again, because the song doesn't have much substance to it. And then the music video is the same thing, you know, black and white grayscale, you know, filmed around, you know, like that kind of round angle going around the crowd. Like, I mean, it's almost the exact same shots. And that's why, to me, it did not feel it did not feel like it was done from some sort of a genuine way of trying to understand with the crowd, you know, was was there I mean, for. look, some people are protesting,
2: some people are getting TVs, you know what I'm saying? Right, like right, it's yes. it's you got both sides of the coin and it comes with the territory. Yeah. And I you know, I I don't think that again, for me YG is not necessarily an artist that I would looking for for social commentary <laughs> in general. Right. So right. but it, it comes with the territory. It, is it clout chasing? <laughs> I mean, Probably somewhat, but it could be. Yeah. Let me just get this moment and maybe make a dope, whatever. Like I don't know. I mean mm. I, I'm one of those people that has more of a realistic view on a lot of this stuff. Like it all yeah. comes with the territory.
0: Yeah. If there are
2: gonna yeah. be protests, there's gonna be some bullshit. Yeah. There's gonna be some yeah. of that stuff that comes along with it. And you gotta mm. the 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 good just outweighs the bad of it so much that you gotta you gotta live with some of that other stuff, you know. Like yeah. it it makes you shake your head and be like, come on man, but right it doesn't detract from me from the good work that's out there being done. And I can ignore YG if I want to. (laughs)
3: That's
1: fair. Look, you talked about folks getting ready to to push the table over. Hmm. Um, Did you guys see this Dave Chappelle special? The 846? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's pretty much his, I guess his warning to folks who are not listening to what's going on. Is like, look, these folks are angry. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he, he highlighted Chris Dorner and some of the other that was uh, ex- military um, who, who who shot police officers yeah. but I think he was talking about like look you know things are boiling over and uh, but I think that you know he was talking about how he's not doesn't necessarily need to use this platform he wants the street, streets to speak for himself I mean yeah. I don't know what were some of your kind of some of your takeaways from uh, from what he had to say
0: my number one thing and it's super ta- tangential is thank you for mentioning Azalea Banks <laughs> I was wondering I was wondering <laughs> if he was gonna say something about that 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 was funny um but uh but yeah, no I, I you know, I was really surprised to hear him him mention Christopher Dorner, uh but you know to take yeah. it b- back to to that event because it it happened so long ago. um, but yeah, I mean, you know this is like a perfect example of like, I really don't have to do this but yo, I'm about to use yeah. my platform in this way. Y'all want to hear what I have to say? Okay, here's what I have to say. Even the, the whole like, right. I don't need to say shit. The streets got it. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, whoa, yeah. okay. That's what's up. Yeah, I actually thought that was probably
2: the most... Um, I mean, it was, it was it was one of the most poignant things that he pointed out was that I'm comfortable right. riding in the back seat on this. Yeah. The kids got right. this, they are out there doing this. Right. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's interesting because he, you know, was critical of Don Lemon talking about celebrities <laughs> need to do something, and then he's literally doing that. Right. Um, he's doing the very thing that he was criticized for not doing, or but he's yeah. doing it, which is and it's funny. I watched Don Lemon's interview about it after Don Lemon's like, look, Chappelle's one of my favorite comedians. Like, he want to come talk to me about this anytime. I'll well, be more than happy to right, do this because right. I th- yeah. I'm not above reproach, and I appreciate uh-huh. what he brings to the table in these discussions. Yeah. I um, what I will say is that the emotion that he he displayed Mm -hmm. was very authentic and that like i you felt it like it didn't draw me to tears but i do know some people who were like yo i like that kind of expressiveness it just Mm -hmm. really hit home and i completely get that and i you know i i appreciate Chappelle for what he's done like you know he's one of those guys where I just never would have saw this when I watched Half Baked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just never would have. <laughs> and it's not that he wasn't always political in his yeah. in his comedy and things like cuz he was. He was in the way that that expresses how he grew up and who he was, but You trying to, to say become, Robin Hood Man, men
0: in tights wasn't a classic?
2: Like the- Love that movie. <laughs> For him to become the individual that he is, and to speak on issues the way that he does, I mean, he right. still has some blind spots. He, mm-hmm. you know, d- d- there was—I've had this discussion with some people. Like, he still has a blind spot when it comes to women, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. like you know, he did not a wo- not one woman was named in, aside from Candace Owens, the only woman that that comes <laughs> yeah. up. In, and there's a lot of women that are is 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 La- the Laura one that Ingram, is, yeah, Laura Ingram. Like you know, mm-hmm. he it's but you know, I genuinely. I thought it was a hell of a special, and yeah. I thought that his way of expressing those, and even pointing out, like, this ain't even funny, y'all. Like, you know, like, where he's <laughs> yeah. like, this is a special, but it's not even funny. Like, I'm just,
1: yeah.
2: um, I was, I enjoyed it. That's, all, that's the authenticity you want from people who have something to say.
1: That's real. I'm not at all surprised to see that this is, like, to see this version of Chappelle, in the sense that, first of all, you know, I understand that some of his latest comedy specials they haven't been popular all around not as much as his earlier work because he does this thing where he tends to, to punch down when yeah. he probably doesn't have to particularly right. with the lgbtq yep. community i understand why he does but i also understand why people um think that that's like uh you know he he's he should be above okay. these things he's and he's not and i get that but nevertheless the man is a genius. Yeah, for the sure. way he sets up some of these stories, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, where's he going with this Chris Dorner? <laughs> and it's like, oh, boom. <laughs> right. That's where he right. goes. Or where's yeah. he going with this earthquake? Oh, boom. Right. Like That's right. where he's going with right. it. The man is a genius, yes. right? Oh, absolutely. So to, to, take, to take a man from half-baked to a man who creates a Chappelle show and makes him the most influential comedian on the planet, to not just influential and, and funniest comedians, but to one of the most influential people, period, yeah. on the planet. Like, here's the thing: Chappelle is in a very like a very small group of circle of like you talk about like the Hillary Clintons and, and whoever else and all these other like movers and shakers that like really shape the world. Chappelle is actually in that circle anytime he wants to be. He's been, in my opinion, has been like in these back rooms and he's seen a lot of this shit go on. Mm-hmm. So to take a man who is a genius whose art is, you know, making people laugh, which is a lot more difficult than I think some people realize, Um, to then see this aspect of him. It doesn't necessarily surprise me at all because I think that his journey going from Half-Baked to, you know, to his experiences on The Chappelle Show and then seeing the aftermath of all that has really kind of, I guess, rounded his perspective out to to, for him to be able to deliver what he delivered with his 846 special. Yeah. but I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought it was very poignant. I, you know, I agree with what, what, what you said that like, is like, look, you know, he, he can take a back seat. Um, he can let the streets speak for themselves, but, uh, you know, I, I did not sound very optimistic from him. Whereas I think that when a, when he went on SNL, you know, he said that he's rooting for Donald Trump, of course, uh, I'm sure his perspective on that has changed a little bit. But um, you know, it doesn't sound like he's very optimistic in terms of the fallout of, of what this could be.
0: I think back to the point about Don Lemon, um, I felt like his, his comment about Don Lemon kind of took me to um, some of these Little Wayne interviews we've been seeing recently and how, you know, Lil okay. Wayne has kind of become such a big celebrity that he's just like, he's kind of completely out of touch. Like he doesn't really know yes. what's going on right now. And I feel like right. with Chappelle, while he didn't sound like he was out of touch, I feel like a lot of people a lot of us remember how Don Lemon has really remixed himself over over the time of this uh, right oh yes. like so oh, so absolutely. Ferguson Don Lemon <laughs> was a completely different Don Lemon from the Don Lemon we have now and I feel like the right. Don Lemon he was taking shots at was the Ferguson Don Lemon <laughs> That's probably why Maybe. you got those shots those, those shots carried over from from some previous uh time
1: frames of of Don Lemon's career. I don't know. He seemed pretty up to date on Candace Owens and Laura That's Ingram true. as well. That's so true. I would like to think he's also up to date on Don Lemon.
2: Well, and Don Lemon just did say that the celebrities need yeah. to be out there doing. I mean, he yeah, you know yeah, so he yeah, yeah, did. Yeah. You know, and and it's funny. So Don Lemon is literally a, I was actually going to mention this too. I wrote an article a couple of years ago. It's like, yo guys, I think I actually like Don Lemon now.
1: Yeah, yeah I remember that. Don day. Lemon
2: had this yes. resurgence. Uh, yeah, like he just, it's like one day he woke up and was like, yeah,
0: I'm I, black. I am black. <laughs> this is some bullshit. Him, like, I've been he, calling him Pod Pod person Don Lemon because it's like he's like a totally different guy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, he's he's
2: I remember a couple of days ago thinking to myself, I need to see what Don Lemon has to say about this. And I'm like, yeah. when is this a yeah. this is a real statement? Because I'm like, nowhere else on mainstream news are we gonna get this kind of thing. No, like right, he's gonna right. be the one that's gonna speak on this in a yeah. way that I'm like. You know, he's he's become that guy in an interesting way. Yeah. Like a Don Lemon Dave Chappelle discussion would be interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, for because sure.
2: it's in a way where I think they probably have more in common in general. Like, dude, mm-hmm. Don Lemon's from Baton Rouge. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's not yeah. he's not from, you know, some random town in Nebraska. Like he's right. been through some shit. Like he's right, right. he's been there. So I think they it's it's it was interesting for him to come up in the special just because I'm like Mm. This is a new Don we're talking about now, <laughs> and I think you and Don actually might have something to talk about. That's true. It might be an interesting discussion to see the the two of you all. Who you're a comedian, Don is a journalist. Right. But I don't think y'all are that far apart on much of anything now. Y'all right. y'all ain't the same. Don Lemon in Ferguson, where you have that famous picture of everybody staring <laughs> You're right, at him, at him like, like "What
0: is your problem?" It's one of
2: my favorite pictures, like I ever. I love it, like, and I love that picture. <laughs> that's not Don anymore, like that, yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. not him. So, yeah. but I I thought the critique was uh, very relevant. I thought it was very um, apt, and I appreciate yeah. that Don is like, listen, he's I don't I'm not above being I'm not above being wrong on this.
0: Yo, like, do you think do you yeah. think that that that's the most growth we've ever seen in a man in his fifties? Cause I don't know that I've ever seen a man that's uh, that's is Don, that old? Is Don Lemon fifty years old? Yeah, he's in his is 50s. He really? I want to say he's like fifty two or something like that. What?
2: Look, Hold up! I yeah. have yeah. it. Listen, he um, <laughs> look, George Wallace was a segregationist and ended up having black friends by the time he died. <laughs> wow. that's growth. Lemon is fifty um,
1: four years old. Good, told God. you. Wow,
2: that's amazing. Yeah, yeah man, yeah, that's man, amazing. I,
0: black don't crack. All right. God is
2: good. I don't. All right. You know his. Don Lemon's change is, is is I view that how I view Fat Joe's rapping career. Like Fat Joe <laughs> is easily the most improved rapper of all time of ever. And Don Lemon flip Don Lemon's flip to being a voice of reason in the black community is yeah. on par with that. Like you know what? <laughs> I'm good with Don Lemon at this point. Don Lemon is yeah. is More than welcome at the cookout. Um, (laughs) you know, nobody there was a time when it was like Don, why are you here? Yeah. Now it's yo, can we can we get Don a plate? Can we get this (laughs) man a plate? Um somebody get Don a plate.
0: Oh man, for sure. So before we we leave the present day, I don't know if either of y'all have seen this, but have y'all seen this new uh little baby uh music video and song that they're pushing? Um, the bigger picture? I have not. I have not. The reason I brought it up, um, and it's funny, cause somebody sent it to me, and 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 you know on Instagram and tagged me like, "Yo, um, you know, mumble rap is being used for a for a good purpose or something like that." But you know, we talk about are are we expecting artists to speak up on these these types of art or these these types of things? And right, Lil Baby is somebody who I don't know, you know, you might be, uh, Panama would be more familiar than, than than Outlaw is, but you know, he's somebody who's really. Been having a big buzz, having a real big year, etc. So, if anybody yep. in this generation would be expected to be like a relevant artist who makes a song about a relevant topic, it probably would be Lil Baby. So, I was I was interested about this record and thought it would be a good topic. But I guess y'all haven't heard it. So. I have not heard it, so I'm not. Yeah, I haven't heard
2: it or it. seen it. I will yeah, definitely yeah. check it out though, because I agree with yeah, everything sure. you said about about Lil Baby and his interesting resonance yeah. um, in 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 the space that. I don't. don't, It's hard to call this stuff hip hop, but that's also me being ageist and whatever. Like it's still, you know, hip hop. (laughs) But hip hop is. This all music is hip hop. The
0: song is interesting to me because it, you know, it feels like he wanted to speak and be a part of the movement, but at the same time, I don't know if it's like. I don't it, it almost feels like he's also trying to keep his corporate sponsors. Like there's like mm. there's lines in the joint that say things like, you know, like like the hook, the, there's a line in the hook that says essentially like this isn't about this isn't about race, this is about the movement or something. Like in the in the hook. And then, you know, he has kind of multiple like one-liners that, you know, basically say things like, you know, <laughs> he says he says I I care about what's in your heart. I don't really care about faces. Like, that's one of the lines. And like, you know, so it's like a whole lot of, you know, hey, we're all in this together, you know, but black lives still matter. He doesn't use the words black lives matter. But, you Mm -hmm. know, in a way that like it feels it feels current and genuine but at the same time it also still felt safe to me and so I, that's kind of the reason why i wanted to debate it i don't know if y'all have time it might even be worth y'all listening to it and oh then us boy, giving boy, it five
3: three ain't minutes no more i gave him chance and chance and chance again i even told him please i find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you did but tell you to freeze fuck by seen what i seen i guess that me hold him down if you say he can't breathe it's too many mothers just grieving they're killing us for no reason been going on for too long to get even throw us in cages like dogs and hyenas i went the and they send me to prison. My mama was crushed when they said I can't leave. First, I was drunk, then I sobered up quick when I heard all that time that they gave it the to Ali. He got a license plus. We just some products of our environment. How the fuck they gonna blame us? You can't fight fire with fire, I know, but at least we can turn off the flames. so every color person ain't dumb and all whites not racist. I be judging by the mind and heart. I ain't really in the face. Fuck though no, the way that we living is not getting better, you gotta know how. Survive. Crazy, I had to tell all of my loved to carry a gun when they going outside. Stay in the mirror whenever you drive. Over for mine. You gotta pay attention to the sign Seem like the blind following the blind Thinking about everything that's going on I boost security up in my home I'm with my kind, they right or they wrong I call them down here, pick up the phone And it's five in the morning, he waking up on it Tell them wherever I'm at, then they coming I see blue lights, I get scared and start running That shit be crazy, they push to protect us So it's in handcuffs and arrest us Why they go home at night, that shit messed up Know we need help, they neglect us One of them who gon' make them respect us so I can see in your eye that you fed up Fuck around, got my shot, I won't let up They know that we a problem to Get up, they know that we can start anywhere that's bigger than black and white it's a problem with the whole way of life it can't change overnight but we gotta start somewhere might as well go ahead start here we didn't have a hell of a year i'm gonna make it count why i'm here god is the only man I here fuck it i'm going
1: to yinka bros the subject of uh little bi- little babies to pick a picture and panama and i had not seen it so we just took a break to watch the video uh right. panama your thoughts
2: yeah i mean it's a it's a I want to say it's a compelling video, but it's really just news clips yeah. largely. Right. And um, it looks like it looks like the past two weeks in America. Right. Yeah. Uh, all filmed yeah. in Atlanta, you know, yeah. so there's lots of there's pictures of tear gas. There's, you know, protesters, Black Lives Matters, There's a defund of police signs. There's all that stuff. Mm. Uh, so the video itself is a time capsule. Yeah. The, yeah, um, sure. the song itself is interesting. You know, I, I, it almost feels a little bit like it was written by committee, I mentioned I that agree. because it, there's yeah. there's like there's a bunch of words that are in there that <laughs> would be in a song that you would write about if you're trying to hit all your points. Right, right. like yeah. got to mention voting. I got to talk about you know. There's also yeah. the you know I don't really I don't really fuck with police or something like that, but I. I can't say it's all, all of, of them. them. Right. Like there's, you know, there's a little, like even the, it's bigger than black and white. I hate those kind of lines. They yeah. kind of annoy me. Right. Because we're talking about institutional racism. Right. So it's yeah. not bigger than black and white. That's the problem. Yeah. Like it literally yeah. is the institutional whiteness that is the problem. Right. Yes. That everybody's trying to kick, you know, trying, trying, trying to knock down. Yeah. That's why there's a white woman crying in the video. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's, uh, she might be one that gets it now or something like that. Who right. knows? Right. So I, I kind of hate, it's kind of reminds me of, the ideology is that that whole logic everybody album that everybody panned because (laughs) he couldn't figure out what the hell he wanted to do right Right, like i'm um it was like the shamar moore statement like i'm black and white you know like it's i'm both i need to be able to so it's like this desire to meet both sides where they are a little bit yeah i find to be unnecessary and that's why so this this is more of a I don't have a ton of thoughts on the YG thing like we talked about, but this would yeah. be more of the, why did you, why is this song the one that you decide to make? Yeah. Like, if you're going to make a protest song, make that song, bro. Yeah. Like mate, like do that. You know, like it can, yeah. it can, it can be that is, is this really where your heart lies? I mean, because but, a couple bars after that, it's not all the police. You also talk about, I don't fuck with police.
0: Yeah. I think, I think though, that this is kind of also goes to what we're talking about, about, you know, even like the Drake's right. And a lot of these artists, right. Um, Part of it is just about being relevant and being a part of the moment, and this song feels more like it's trying to capture the moment than it is trying to be a protest record, to me.
2: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like yeah. the beat was like, oh, look, it has the right, it has the right sound for the beat. Right. The little piano riff, like we got, you know, we got the right notes in here. <laughs> it's bigger than black and white, you know. Like I just, it just, I. This is not a song that I would say anybody needs to listen to. Now, what I will say. What I will say is he has a big enough fan base exactly. where maybe people are listening to it because it's him, yeah. and maybe somebody is is compelled to be like, you know what? You know, maybe all cops ain't I don't know, I don't know what you take out of this song, honestly, because <laughs> I'm the kind of person that thinks deeply about this shit, and then I find right. all the flaws in it. Right. As opposed to what perhaps the intent should be. Right. Um But maybe maybe his first I, fan like, base what do you think of the is the thing?
1: The only takeaway I can have really is that like, I think it depends on who's listening to it. Right. Okay. Yep. I think that, you know, we can sit here and we can digest what we're seeing and what we're listening to and take the th- certain things from it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day too, I mean, I, I guess it. who's, who's the target audience, right? Yeah. Like if it's, is it for white folks? It almost um, feels
0: like it is. Like if you're All Lives Matter, you could watch this and be like, yeah, that, he's right. It is bigger than black. You know what I mean? Like you could take from it whatever the, you want. That's the wanted. question. Who the hell is this song for? <laughs> it's like all yeah. these books that are now,
2: um, <laughs> we mentioned this on the, on the call I had with through VSB where we're talking about all these books that are on these bestseller lists right. now that are about racism and stuff. Like i read all these books and there's some of them. I'm like, why am I even reading this? This is like, I'm reading this because a black person wrote it. This ain't for me. This is for white people. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like it's, but then again, these artists like him have these huge white fan bases. Too. Yeah. So they yeah. have well, tons well, look, of, you know, it's interesting.
1: One, one of the artists that uh, that we spoke about when we took our little break was, uh, was Joyner Lucas. Right. <laughs> and I think that in some ways he makes his music, I think, for white folks who would be willing to listen. right? Like it's, is mm-hmm. polarizing, but like not necessarily for the right reasons. I, I think it's well intentioned, <laughs> but it just yeah. is, it misses the mark. I think entirely on a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and maybe that's kind of what like little baby is going for here. Because here's what mm-hmm. I will say: mm-hmm. I do think that there is something to be said for trying to reach out across the aisle. Um, it's an I admirable think some, attempt. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is something that I actually do in my personal life with my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I am not one of these these these, these folks who's like, oh look. You voted for Trump, therefore um, I'm going to cut you off. That's not how mm-hmm. I roll. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, granted, I probably actually do have a person who voted for Trump. Um, he's not a Trump guy. It was one of these, like, look, I, I fucking hate Hillary so I'm just going to bite the bullet here. He's not like a MAGA guy. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, right, like I'm willing to have these conversations with folks and mm-hmm. and try to try to get to the heart of the issue without necessarily demonizing them as a person. I personally think that Regardless of how you feel about that, I think that all you do is like make someone defensive, and you block them up, and you make it so you can never reach them. So I I just don't do that for me personally. So I do think that there's a space for trying to reach across the aisle. Um, and I do think that sometimes that when when you do have something that is too on the nose, like in your direction, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is the the opposite audience, like that the audience who really needs to 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 watch this and listen and learn, like. They end up just like blocking it off. Like they're just like, oh, like that's that's Black Lives Matter shit. That that's not relevant to me. I mean, like, look, you can see it right now when you've got major companies like liquor liquor companies. And Yinka was posting this on Facebook talking about like we support Black Black Lives Matter. You can see it with like NASCAR. You know, (laughs) we're going to ban the Confederate flag and allow Mm. Bubba Wallace to put Black Lives Matter on his car, which is which is Mm. so funny that that would get pushed back because of like oh you're inviting politics into into <laughs> our race so it's like well why is black lives matter political and why is the confederate uh, flag not, uh, not political? political even though it's exactly. a very political statement it's like right. seeing like the irony and the hypocrisy of this so i i, I do think mm. that there is something to be said for trying to reach across the space because honestly like they're the ones who need to white folks are the ones who need to to get their shit together yes black folks need to, we've been trying to get our shit together and that's a whole community issue that we're still trying to work on, right? Fine, mm. but like, black folks, are the white folks are the ones who need a change of heart here. Kind of mm. like what, uh, is it Brittany Breeze, Drew Breeze's wife? Is that her name? I don't know. I have
2: did, no idea, did, but that sounds right.
1: Did you see what she what she posted on Instagram? No, what she posted. You, no, look, you guys should actually read it. It it sounds like she gets it, right? Like, Drew Breeze had several did she apologies. Write it? A lot what are you saying they argued
2: in their house for a little while
1: (laughs) look i don't know if she wrote it i don't know who wrote it but i know that it came from the wife of drew Brees. i think her name is Brittany, and she posted this on instagram but basically said like look we we understand we're part of the problem the fact Mm -hmm. that we saw a someone protesting during the national anthem and decided to to comment on that from our perspective about what the flag means to us, instead of Mm -hmm. actually understanding where this person was coming from, that's Mm -hmm. part of the problem. Mm -hmm. We like, we're sorry, we're trying to do better. And like, we get that we, our privilege bubbles, like allows us to kind of, she didn't say dismiss certain issues, but kind of like um, compartmentalize these these issues when they probably shouldn't be compartmentalized. Like, it seems Mm -hmm. like something that, that, it seemed like she got it. Mm. Um, and so I do think there's a space for it now. Whether or not <laughs> going back to this video, whether or not mm. it actually accomplishes that, I, uh, so, I, don't know. I mean,
0: I, so I'm I'm looking in the comments right now, right? Because I just I kind of was like, 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 like Panama said, right? Who is this for? Like, who you know, who yeah. who is actually listening to this, and are, what are they taking away from it, right? And I'm seeing right. a lot of people continually quoting this line, and it's it's the line that that you know Panama brought out, but I'll read it, you know, for us to discuss. Every colored person ain't dumb and every white person ain't racist. I just be judging their mind and heart. I'm not really into faces. So first of all, who calls black people colored people yeah. in 2020? Yeah. That's strange. I mean, it's just this is strange to me. And, and, and it, you know, yeah. the people in the comments seem to have, have thought that this was a, a
1: really dope line, you know? So it's, I'm, it's, look, it's one of these things, like, this is like uh, a... <laughs> Uh this is like Shameek Moore, right? Like how how old is, how old is little baby? Do we know? He's probably like 19 or something, right? He, he's not he's young. Look, he young. Cat. I I think it's well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Um I think that throughout the years as he matures, perhaps his perspective will mature as well and yeah. he's young. You know what I mean? Like that's that's pretty much. I don't mean to sound ageist, but I think that yeah, he's. he's but it's young crazy because
0: we we said we we say we want them to use their platform right for for the movement. You said is that. This, is this? No, I'm, said no that. I'm, 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 I'm just kind <laughs> of. No, I said plan. that too. And and advocate, I did right? say that too. Yeah. So, and I think so they, do yeah, we think I, that he's yeah. doing that here?
2: I think he absolutely is, yeah. and you know that's why I said it's an admirable effort. You know, ultimately. Yeah you he he took a swing you know what i'm yeah. saying he had something he wanted to you know I, I don't believe he does this if he doesn't want to yeah so yeah. however it however the the final product comes about you know mm-hmm. and i do think i do think young people need to be given the space to grow
0: yeah, into yeah.
2: who they are fully I and mean, he's already in the right direction
0: mm-hmm. a couple yeah.
2: a couple yeah. a couple lines that i noticed don't take away from the fact that i mean yeah. he generally he genuinely did this you know what right, i mean so right. yeah. i do i will give credit where credit is due in that end because i think everybody isn't doing it everybody's not taking the time to do it and i i do you know
0: yeah
2: like like again back to chappelle i'm okay with the young kids driving this yeah Drive, driving this one yeah
1: so i i think the that should wrap it up for this uh episode do you guys have any uh closing thoughts
2: no i mean um i would say that uh you know we are in a hell of a moment in american history like nobody's gonna forget 2020 ever no. This is this is world history actually. 2020 yes. is a yeah. year that the world will never. This is this Forget. is the year that will be written about in, in textbooks. This For is sure. one of those yes. years. And you know, I'm I'm 41. I'm cynical as hell about a lot of this <laughs> stuff. I want to <laughs> be op, I, I want to be more optimistic about things than I actually am. I, I've learned this about myself. Um I hope that this sea change and whatever's happening actually comes to fruition. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm glad that music often serves as a soundtrack for it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the point of these these discussions, right? You know, the yeah. how music impacts a society going through things. Right. And you know, I don't, I don't know that Marvin Gaye knew what's going on would become one of the most resonant pieces of music right. of all time when he made that, but he had something he needed to get off his chest,
3: mm-hmm. and yeah. thank
2: God he did. You know what I'm saying? Right. And same with sam cook the same with kendrick you know even with mm-hmm. the pimple butterfly like i don't know entirely his motivations because he's pretty cagey when it comes to speaking about a lot of stuff but yeah you know those pieces of music will last forever um you know it's kind of why i wish <laughs> this is going to be fried but i kind of wish like the beyonce's were more i thought i wish beyonce cared about releasing music the way solange does you know what I'm saying? Like I wish, I wish Beyonce had that salon sensibility. Like mm. Beyonce makes a seat at the table, whatever her version of that is. And holy shit, mm. you know what I'm saying? But and that's not to be too critical of them either, because I I appreciate the attempts and all this stuff. But you know, largely my point is just I appreciate how music can be the soundtrack for the for what we're doing. And 2020 is going to be one of those years. That, the song that the song that's going to become emblematic with it, it probably hasn't been released yet, but it's coming. Mm. And I look forward to finding out what that is.
1: Well, that's right you. all right well um panama thank you as always for joining us
2: yeah. yeah man thank y'all for having me always
1: and uh please like and subscribe the po- uh, subscribe to the podcast i want to give a quick shout out to um i think his name is michael but he uh he sent us a message um talking about you know he really enjoys the podcast gave us a list of albums to do just want to let you know that we haven't forgotten to that uh, we've got a calendar, and we're going to address some of those albums in, uh, in future episodes. But if any of our other listeners would like to uh, suggest a topic or, or want to hear our perspective on something, please reach out to us, the80sbabies at gmail.com or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, however you find us. Reach out, and uh, we see all these messages. So just wanted to say that real quick before we leave. Yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. <laughs>
3: There's too many of you to cry Brother, brother, brother There's far too many of you die Take it don't punish me.